we are now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is he's not here tonight, but we have a full house. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. However, we like to have these special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different, and this is one of our fun commentary tracks. It is June 2020. <laughs> the world is in turmoil, but we're here to provide some modicum of entertainment because we're doing a new commentary track for the film Dick Tracy. Directed by and starring Warren Beatty. This is good. This is going to be fun. I, I look forward to what we're going to talk about for the next hour and 45-ish minutes. Um, because it's going to be all about this insane movie. And who better to do it with than with my following guests from Weiss of Blue and the Cult Cinema Cavalcade podcast, the square-jawed Brandon Peters. Hello! Excited to be here. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to say the wrong, witty, clever thing right now. So I'm just happy to be here. Also joining us from the Milky Way Blues and maybe Wise of Blue again someday, a very colorful daddy-o, it's Yancey Burns. Hey gang, good good to be here. Glad to be talking about this one. From Forbes to the criminal world, he's known as Mr. Numbers, it's Scott Mendelson. <laughs> Always a pleasure. And from the Forgotten Film Cast, the coppers all call him Playthings, it's Todd Liebenau. Thanks for having me. When do we eat? <laughs> <laughs> How are you all doing this evening? Horrible. <laughs> i am looking forward to this i'm with brandon yes absolutely <laughs> yeah uh, the, the, we've been we've been experiencing like changes in the world with these commentaries every time we come back we're in a whole new place nothing got it'll better. be a box set there's gonna be a box set it's of just world design enough and this one and the 2020 <laughs> Yeah, this, we, this, might, this might as well be a Stargate spinoff. we got so many different realities we're going through right now. Yeah. But, um, well, like, a Colson McCavalcade, we I started a that. Godzilla series, ended it, and we're like, the world has changed drastically since we started this, and it's been like a month. Oh, we couldn't man. have picked a less relevant movie. I'm so glad. <laughs> we're <trying laughs> two hours to be free of, of of being like watching the news like a hawk, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, well, it was either this or the Purge election year. <laughs> It was a heated battle, too, but we decided, yeah, Dick Tracy seems like the way to go. Um, speaking of which, yes. this is uh, this film from 1990 is celebrating its 30th anniversary this month, which is part of why we chose it. It's also because I think we all just generally really like this movie, so we're going to get to that. Yes. What we're going mm -hmm. to do here, obviously, is talk about the film Dick Tracy while playing the film Dick Tracy in the background. What we plan on doing is I have the film currently paused at five seconds in on my Blu-ray version of the feature. That's about where the Touchstone logo is starting to form. I'm going to count down eventually from three, and on the sound of go, we're all going to press play and just start talking about this film. If you plan to watch along with us, just make sure to sync it up to the time that I just mentioned there, five seconds in, and press play when I say it, and you'll be good. You'll be good to kind of time this movie out. If you're just listening to listen, because you just need to get away from it all, and this pulp commentary was the only way for you to do that, for one thing, you need to examine your options, sir, or madam, but also, good on you. I'm glad you're here to listen to Tracy with us. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. You guys all ready? I'm yeah. ready. Okay, three, two, one, go. Okay, black and white Touchstone Pictures logo. That's fun, since yeah. the movie is entirely full of color. Yeah. <laughs> but black and white, like, so, like, this movie, like, is set to the actual colors scheme used in the comics that they use, and black and white is one of them, and I don't, I'm not sure if that gets used heavily in the actual film with any kind of weird background thing. So uh, like, maybe that was like offhand. I cannot think of a scene that features black and white, like black mate for I'm... Of shadows and stuff. But as far as yeah. this movie goes, yeah, it's no. a, it's a explosion of primary colors. 
Um, and, and Dick Tracy was probably only in color on Sunday. Is that is that the deal? Was it black and white on the weekdays? That'd be my guess too. Pro- probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. So so to be clear, this was based off a comic strip, um, yep. which I assume eventually became like comic books as well. But yeah, it's a comic strip, and this is Disney's first comic book movie, if I'm not mistaken, right? Um, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, and they. I think that didn't the it was going to be full on Disney and then they later was. switched it to Touchdown because yes, it was it was too racy. Todd, you have a whole podcast about this stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Well, one one of my other podcasts is about Disney movies, and we mean Disney in the grand sense. And so I, I always kind of love seeing the Touchstone Pictures logo pop up. They they did a lot of fun stuff uh, back in the day. But yeah, I remember the first time I saw the trailer for Dick Tracy was on the VHS of Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Mm-hmm. And it, on that copy, it said Walt Disney Pictures Presents. Hmm. And then by the time it hit theaters, it was Touchstone. As we're, as we're talking about this, I just want to point out this opening sequence here where it's a big, you know, big opening credit sequence. And we've gotten... We, we've introduced ourselves to Tracy to some degree. We've got a bit of him putting on his costume and then it jumps out of his window and we get these wonderful matte paintings that we're going to see throughout this feature that just give you the style right away. In addition to that, in front of these gorgeous matte paintings, you have this cavalcade of actors like listed in this film where it's in alphabetical order and you're like, mm-hmm. look at all the stars in this movie. Like, this <laughs> yeah, is everybody's in this movie. <laughs> And like, yeah. like, right, like you, you have Pacino and Hoffman and, and Paul Sorino and James Caan. You have, and, you have a Godfather Con, reunion yeah. Yeah, in you, there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're just missing a Robert Duvall. Like that's it. Like, right. Yeah. And I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure he probably was asked, but he's like, hey, I, if I'm not doing three, I'm not doing Dick Tracy. That's what he yelled at somebody on the phone. Uh, he's a little, he's little Nicholson face. is not here, of course, because of Batman, but he and Beatty are such good friends. I wonder what the, there was ever a conversation there. Well, he did Batman, uh, like, I guess, like, Nicholson was up for Dick Tracy, the role of Dick Tracy at one point, and De Niro as well. But, like, this this movie started in life in the early 80s. So, I mean, it's going back, it, while it came in the heat of Batman, it was already in the works and probably late in the game formed itself to look more like Burton's Batman than ever was probably planned. But there, there's a whole host of names attached to this movie for directing and all this. Like yeah. there's like Walter Hill was in there. Uh, like Beatty wasn't going to direct, but it was always Bob, Beatty's Bob. passion project. Yeah. It was his right? passion project. He was going to produce it, right? Yeah. He, he was always like involved to some degree. Uh, Bob Fosse. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't was always visually like this. Really? Well, I mean, yeah, Bob Foss, and I got to admit too, as as someone, Todd, uh, yeah, as uh, as someone who was you know just kind of forming as a film fan in the eighties, Warren Beatty was a little bit of a mystery because Beatty only made two movies in the eighties, yeah. and so you know, come nineteen ninety, and they're putting all this marketing effort behind this guy Warren Beatty. I was like, well, where the heck has he been? I don't know this guy, you know, because I hadn't watched a ton of films from the 70s yet at this point. So. It's weird how, like, Warren Beatty, James Cameron, and Terrence Malick all have, like, <laughs> the the lack of <laughs> of much product in common, but they're like, when they come out with something, you you pay attention, apparently. <laughs> Unless it's the rules yeah. don't apply. <laughs> like um, how Kubrick ended up becoming... Yeah, I like rules don't apply. Kubrick, yeah, Kubrick as well, yes, I'm sure, of course. Uh, the, the this, lack of you the... know I, I think the big deal here was as, as i recall probably being older than than, than the rest of you unfortunately uh, yes there's an element of some people didn't know who dick who, who Beatty was there was also a lot of schadenfreude that had finally caught up with him because of ishtar Beatty obviously was has 
always been a, a you know well liked guy, but I think the critics have always had an in for Beatty because he's a handsome guy who's got you know this sort of huge amount of lovers and and sort of difficulty controls these movies very 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 strictly. So you still can't get Bugsy on Blu-ray, for instance. This I don't think Dick Tracy's ever come out with any kind of supplemental material. So like this no. commentary is really valuable. But I think at the time there was sort of. Uh, you know, Beatty's finally getting old schadenfreude going on. This was sort of a bounce back from, but I think Ishtar had a lot of that for both Ian Hoffman. Yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, the funny thing is... And Anna Lane May, always... no less, too. I mean, it's not like she, she yeah. didn't benefit from, from Ishtar either, and it's a little a little harder for someone like her versus these two. It's just a goofy... It, the movie had a goofy name, and it was so easy for that. It's actually not bad, Ishtar. I kind of like it. Um... You know, we always talk about like and Scott's written about the the movies that came out of Batman's success through the through the 90s. It's like, why did they go this way? But Dick Tracy and Batman have always sort of been kind of together. They were both like movie serials together, both from comic books. Um, and then in the 60s, they even tried out uh, uh, William Dozier, who did the 60s Batman series, tried a Dick T- Tracy series that didn't get past a pilot. I mean, it's got the same cartoon batman it's a not total ripoff of the 60s west batman series but um it should be like it actually makes sense that dick tracy comes after and they both have such at the time tracy's kind of gone past people he had iconic villains people knew these villains so, and, and, from the comics the first with the sort of rogues rogues gallery dick tracy i bet he was yeah I like, be he had got this extensive like first for him yeah yeah, I mean, this was... But, I mean, he was... I think he might have been the first popular character out of the extensive rogues gallery. I think he probably predates Batman a little bit. Yeah, I, I knew growing up as a kid... The my, my dad being is that most of the villains died in their first installments in a Tracy comic strip or comic book. Uh-huh. It was sort of the whole crime of mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Very few of them, like Flat Top, for example, lived to right. fight another day. Uh, is an old story that was passed around a lot when the movie came out, which is that... When the flat top character was killed off at the comic strip, fans actually had a mock funeral for him on the city steps. We <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, sort of the Joker for for, yes, for Tracy so. flat top. Yeah. I like I like that because we're just to point out something on screen. We're watching Paul Servino. I like that Carl Servino just apparently like must be a comic fan. He's got this. He's got the Rocketeer. He's a friend of Beatty's. Like yeah, let me be in this. I gotta be. I love comics. <laughs> I love pulp comics. It's my thing. Paul Sorino. Oh, he's in Reds too. Was he? He's, 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 he's in Reds. He's in Reds. He's, he's in Reds. He's in Bullworth. He's he's a, he's a Beatty guy. Like he's one of Beatty's boys. Bullworth, another so, movie you can't get on Blu-ray because Beatty is so you know. controlling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and the, I mean, speak, good movie though. Just to speak of, I do like Bullworth. To speak of that real quick, there is a there is a cut of this movie that's like apparently like two hours and fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, which Ooh. I mean, I'd be happy to see. Release the Beatty cut. That's what I'm saying. We got to start. We got to start this movement. <laughs> Release the Beatty cut. We'll get it on Disney Plus. We'll we'll slam HBO Max under the water with our 1990s version. <laughs> he must have had some kind of close to final cut, at least or something close. Well, to Well, here's it, right? the thing. He had a he had a contractual obligation to to basically not pick fights <laughs> to to make up mm-hmm. to pick to make this movie. Like, to, to, to play nice, really. To play to play right, nice yeah. to like not like you know spend years on this, not go over budget and all that. Like he had to like agree to this kind of parameter to deliver a product at a certain time. 
Look at these like so, fake sets slash map. Pa- like there's so much like intentionally so very they're, much. They're amazing. It's a different era right there when you know your audience sophisticated to know the, enough to know that you are doing this on purpose. All, it's all supposed it, to look slightly stylized. All of it has a personality, which is the greatest thing I can say about it. Like not like everything feels like it's very deliberate and designed by people that wanted to like breathe life into something that just seems not of this world, but perfectly stylistic for whatever endeavor they're trying to do cinematically. And honestly, it seems like another. It seems like Batman done again, and I think a little more. On it's the more rooted than Batman. Yeah. It just feels more. It feels more like a passionate. I know. It just feels. I mean, that, I think we were talking earlier before we when we talked about doing this that it, you can tell that Beatty's a big fan of Dick Tracy in a way that maybe Burton wasn't of Batman. You know, there. This is. I'm sure Beatty was reading these as a, as a little kid. You know, every every day in the newspaper, you can tell that affection is there for it. Well, it speaks to this sort of. It's Brand, well, it speaks. Brandy, you said like it's a or Yancey, one of you. You said it was a passion project, and it is. But it's like, it, no, this is what Brandy said. You you said like in really you know response to Batman. Well, it's like, how else do you do Dick Tracy, right? Like, well, it, yeah, I, I can't right. see is it, it gonna right? be like I can't see it as a, era. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah, like, or something for a while. Is it gonna be like a? But I mean, they, they they have like I mean they it's made the they have the kind of there's a there's a little bit tone and feel. Maybe it's the Elfman factor for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah there's even the scene there's a scene yeah. where pacino's got all the bosses like i'm the guy now like there's a lot of that shot of the, a lot of, the, of, of the shack racking back and forth is really the shack is so great yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason my dad I'm, do you guys remember, even, okay nobody the, you could buy a shirt to go see this it, it, as a ticket yeah yeah, yeah. that was the, yeah. the premier night screening had t-shirts my dad had the one with that character steve the tramp on it the guy that just got his ass kicked for, for <laughs> treating charlie that was actually a subject of controversy because of well for better or worse homeless advocates were not thrilled both how this character was portrayed and frankly how he was advertised on the merchandise and the action figures uh-huh. yeah that's one that's how deep so terrible homeless the bad character at an action figure yeah, he's gone well, from the. They movie made every character <laughs> seem like it was a big deal because of the action figures. That's a Star Wars thing to have every little yeah. character have an action yeah. figure, right? Yeah. Here's the introduction yeah. of uh, Al Pacino as Big Boy Caprice. Um, so having, having Oscar nominated, Oscar nominated, too, have, yes. having yeah. just watched Capone uh, and just like thinking about the other portrayals of Capone. This might be one of my. This might be my favorite portrayal of a character that's supposed to be like Al Capone. Yeah. Like I, I think. Um. I mean, the best al- actual Al Capone is on Boardwalk Empire. I think Stephen Graham's on the HBO series because that's. I mean, it's a series for one thing, so he can really do stuff with it. But like, even more than like Paul Mooney's Scarface, or and I, I don't really care about De Niro's and Untouchable. I think that's just t- bad. This version of him. <laughs> Untouchables is bad. I, I mean, I think I think De Niro's I think De Niro's Capone. I'm, I'm not a huge Untouchables fan to begin with, but I think De Niro's Capone is just it's a it's a oh, it's a cartoon in the wrong movie. I mean, I think a lot of things yeah, about that movie are just feel inconsistent to me. That's why I don't like it. That it's much. as much of a cartoon but, in this in this one in a different way. Yeah, and the, so this one you have the version that fits as far as yes, he's over the top and big because that's Al Capone to begin with, but also the world around him suits this kind of person. And I just really like what I he's think doing you're under, I think you're under, you're not giving De Niro enough credit. It's not hey, I'm sure he big. did the work. I'm sure he lived in like his house for a month or whatever the fuck. But I mean, it just doesn't, <laughs> at the end of the day, I'm watching things about that movie just stick out to me. And that's one of where it's like, like, well, he's going he's for it. He's got 20 minutes of screen time. He can't do like the story about, of, of, of Al Capone. <laughs> yeah, but I, but I, 
this is not a debate about the Untouchables. What I'm saying is I think Al Pacino is really great in this movie. I, I think he, I think his Oscar nomination is well deserved for playing Big Boy Caprice. Uh, he's one of, I mean, he's still one of my favorite comic book villains. What I think sets him apart, or at least certainly did back then, was that there's just a little bit of guilt and shame in this portrayal that he doesn't necessarily, you know, he part of him that wants to be a legitimate businessman if he could do it. But he, you know, I think to a certain extent, you know, it's it's to me this film is is almost a midlife crisis drama mm-hmm. with him, Tracy, and Breathless to a certain extent that are miserable because they excel at positions that make them unhappy. Mm. Okay. Um, and there's no way out, especially for the two of them. You know, Breathless Mahoney knows that she's good at being hot and good at singing, and knows that she's going to do that until one of these mob guys just loses his temper and kills her, because that's how the world works here. And, you know, Big Boy Caprice knows that he's going to be a mob boss until he gets killed because that's the way the world works. Um, and I think to a certain extent, it's it's Tracy saying, you know, can I can I, you know, while still being a cop, it's not like he retires at the end of this picture. But can I have more than that? Can I have my cake and eat it, too? Um, and, you know, that's the film's happy ending that he gets a quote unquote nuclear family while also being you know a police officer. I, uh, I will, I'll, I'll say this as a child watching this, I'm not going to say I definitely realize these themes that you're speaking of as well, but there was something about this that always made it stick out as far as whatever's going on in my mind. I could recognize these seem like humans to me, despite the, you know, the makeup going on of all the various characters or whatnot. Like there's something, very true. especially as one that was watching, you know, cause I will be right back. No, you're, you're right. As when I was watching Batman nonstop and, you know, was, you know, I've talked about, we've talked about it on our commentary for Batman. Like there's plenty of, praise to go there and lots of things to admire and what have you there the thing that made this movie stand out to me was like there's batman feels like it, it exists in its own universe and this exists in a different one where the characters in this movie feel like there's some there's something there that's grounded with them and honestly that that probably comes from having warren Beatty and al pacino and a lot of really good actors filling out all mm-hmm. these roles that's not to say batman has bad actors you have fucking michael keaton and jack nichols like there's a lot of great actors but there's just like the control that Beatty seems to have over this and this the, the screenplay that was put together for this movie seems to reflect something that very much separates it from batman despite you know the fact that they're both comic book movies of highly stylized worlds well you know what's interesting uh, you know Talk, everybody talks about, of course, the new Hollywood era, which ended sort of with Star Wars. But, but it's dawned on me recently that that the 80s actually, you know, these these technicians and craftsmen and, and actors and directors who were responsible for these great 70s movies were still around and working. And you look at this movie, which mm-hmm. is 1990. This movie's got so many people we associate with that, that era, uh, with that era. Yeah. And, and, it, and and it's it sort of can't help having a sort of. Uh, What's the word? Uh, a, 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 a deeper sort of meaning because of the sort of I don't know. You know, Dick Tracy. He's obviously what is how old is Beatty here? Is in his fifties, I assume, yeah, 50s, right? Yeah. He's just something about it has a level of 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 that sort of extra offbeat feeling that we expect from these guys. And I think it's, I think somebody's gonna write a book someday about about the work those guys did in the eighties and, and and the value there. You know, now that you're 30 years later, however many years later, it doesn't matter to me that this was done. And this isn't a serious picture like Red's. Who cares? I mean, Red's exists and this exists and they're, they're both wonderful. You it, know, is, so. it is great that like Warren Beatty in his filmography, 
He has something he has something like Reds, among other like films that he's been involved with, passion projects or what have you that are either like epics or soaring dramas or blistering commentaries. And also he has Dick Tracy. Like it's just like this factors into his <laughs> filmography. And it, it's, and, yeah, it, it's and, it, and it doesn't make it any less lesser of a film or anything like that. It's just like, yeah, in the midst of all the other things he's doing, he made a Dick Tracy movie because he really wanted to for one thing. And he put all of the, the same kind of passion and energy that he put in everything else, presumably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't, I don't, it's not, it doesn't look like he half-assed it on this. <laughs> this I mean, this is Vittorio like, Storaro, right? Yes. Right. I mean, this is what, he's like a guy that if he has nothing to say, he's not going to just talk to talk. So, I mean, that's why his such space between things probably. And like, yeah, like a Terrence yeah. Mallet, like you just, if you got like a, you know, like a lot of people have gotten on, like, why isn't John Carpenter directing? He's like, I don't got anything to say. I don't like all I can. All, the work, you know, know, chances are also, you know, yeah. yeah. The I, mean, I mean, I don't know how Beatty feels about having. I actually like Rules Don't Apply, but no one else in the world seemed to. I like, liked it. I thought it was good. I, yeah, but that's I, probably. I'm about to say it's like it's not top Beatty, movie. but we'll see. You never know. His last, he's, I don't know. He's pretty well, spry. I, <laughs> I think he'll probably act in something, but at the pace with which he directs, I mean, I can't imagine he's going to have time to make another movie. Well, if he did, he's, it'd a be, it'd be like, he's a major perfectionist. Yeah, it'd be like a chamber piece of anything, like something really reflective and like small scale. If you wanted to do something, if I had to guess, he didn't direct it, but I really think Bugsy is 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 pretty close to being a Warren Beatty movie, and that I would love to see come out in some form because that's a terrific movie i really like that i think elliot gould is fantastic in that but there's a lot of oh he's so good so sad in that yeah uh this should be a whole series al pacino as big boy caprice directing stage (laughs) opera musicals like all of this is just so delightful like we're talking about like the like scott you're bringing out the midlife crisis elements or what it's like this movie is also really fun and very funny and irreverent at times when it wants to be i mean look you have al pacino in this very elaborate setup as far as how he looks. I don't even know how to describe him. He's like an hourglass, um, but like a fat hour. I don't know what is that. What? Is, but he's doing Richard the Richard the Third again. I think mm-hmm. isn't that his big thing? Yeah, that's he part did that, of it. He did that documentary about Richard the Third. I'm sure he was deep involved in that at this point. I he's, think that's what the Hunchback always implies with a yeah. character like this. Is and, he's, and he's got the comb over. He's got the nose and the chin, and he's dancing all around, telling these dancers on stage, "This is how you do it." It's like this, this should that should be a show. Yeah, he was also not. He had he'd done Sea of Love, but he'd kind of been off ever. Sort of he'd done Revolution. That was his comeback. Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. that was his comeback. Yeah. So this is right after the comeback. The eighties weren't great for Pacino. (laughs) No, he was. Yeah, what did he? Yeah, like De Niro was. De Niro was killing it, but in uh, the eighties still for a lot of it. Uh, Well, cruising, I think, sent Pacino in a strange direction for a few years. Revolution didn't help. Yeah, Revolution is just a straight up bad movie. Yeah, I think Uh, that really didn't help. Is that all he did? This sequence is also my, one of my favorite Dustin Hoffman moments of the oh, whole yeah. movie. Oh, <laughs> he's yeah. just, okay. he's so funny in this, this sequence. I, I'm sad I'm watching it with subtitles right now because I can't hear his wonderful mumbling. <laughs> this was a film I saw when I was 10 years old, opening weekend. And it introduced me to an entire generation of esteemed Golden Age, you know, what do you want to call it, Golden Age, Silver Age actors. You know, for me, this was my introduction to Al Pacino, Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman to a certain extent, although I was aware of Rain Man, um, uh, you know, uh, Paul Servino, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, as I, I got older and sought out more, quote unquote, classic films, you know, the, these, you know, this, this was sort of my gateway drug to a lot of esteemed performers because they all happened to be in this comic book adventure film that was if not targeted kids, certainly appropriate for kids in a way that perhaps Reds was not. 
It's PG. Right, this was targeted <laughs> against just the way Batman. This was this was the yeah yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah yeah. The marketing for this was nuts. I mean, there was every kind of toy you can imagine. Well, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Madonna album. Every you know they were trying to get just the, like uh, the Prince Adam for sure. Batman. I was yeah. hooked on the McDonald's game with. This. Oh yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> so I I had I, I, Manless was the top prize. Lips, man. Uh, and I always wondered, or were they trying to? Was that was that sort of an artifact of a, a marketing campaign that wanted to treat the death of Paul Servino as a plot twist? Which you know, even when I was ten, that never made sense because you know the previews didn't hide the fact that he kicked the bucket in the first ten fifteen minutes. Right. Um. Anyway, I interrupted you. I apologize. I was gonna say I had a. I know I had a collector's cup. And I probably had some version of the watch because the watch is like, you know, to a kid, that's the coolest thing ever, right? You got to like, yeah, it's a little watch and you mm-hmm. can see into it and talk into it. Like, yeah, I want that. And we have that now because that's the future. <laughs> not quite, not entirely. Still can't completely Dick Tracy my watch. And that's why I don't have an Apple watch, but still. And yeah. what was awesome too is uh, Good Times Home Video at between 90, between like in 90, 91, when Batman Returns coming out. Um, they started like pulling out, like putting out all the old serials, like Batman, both Batman's Dick Tracy had a bunch, uh-huh. uh, and old movies and the Captain America, Shazam, or he was Captain Marvel then. Uh, and like Mando Cody, I was like, in he- like just, I, there was like a store we had like a drug store or something. They had an end cap just full of these and I'd always like pick one up. So I've got all these VHS of old movie serials, but I had Dick Tracy. I had some of the old movies like. He was a big deal back then, <laughs> like huge. Scott, two things. Yes. Um, one, this is like the spirit done right, right? Like, like yes. it still oh, it, yes. it still shocks me that the spirit is so bad. Well, not it is entirely, shockingly bad. Like it's so bad. But this is like, what if we did the spirit good? You had that already. It was in 1990. It was called Dick Tracy. But yeah. My my question I have. We've talked about this a lot as far as Batman led to, well, why not do the Rocketeer, the Phantom, the Shadow, what have you? Exactly. What, 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 is the, what would be the appropriate response? Like, what's the other way to go after making Batman? Well, I don't know if the money and technology existed to do in, you know, a faithful Spider-Man, a faithful X-Men, you know, another Superman reboot. You know, the characters that were popular to kids of that, you know, my age, frankly, maybe yours too, give or take. Um, well, they were you know, We all knew who Batman was. We kind of sort of knew who Michael Keaton was. We had seen Beetlejuice. We kind of sort of knew who Nicholson was because he was, you know, in every magazine and yeah, show. Yeah, he's, he's, a, yeah. he's a movie star. He, uh, didn't, he didn't fade. You know, he, you know, kids didn't know who Dick Tracy or Warren Beatty was, were. Um, they certainly, you know, or the Rocketeer, you know, Bruce Campbell. Conversely, in 1991, Everybody knew who Kevin Custer was, and one way or another, everybody knew what Robin Hood was, and that was one big reason why that film was incredibly successful, while these films, The Phantom, The Shadow, Dick Tracy, uh, were not relatively. I mean, Dick Tracy was often considered the first hundred million dollar disappointment. Uh, it made about 160 worldwide on a 30 million dollar budget, but it was considered a big disappointment. It sort of led to that infamous Kat, uh, Jeff Katzenberg memo of that era, where basically he said that you know Hollywood, you know, predicting the future, basically has to stop making just franchise pictures. Mm-hmm. That worked out. Huge simplification. You can Google it if you want. 
Um, well, in 1990, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was looking at what other films came out in 1990 and specifically summer of 1990. I'm going, not a banner year, you know? I mean, no. there were some movies I was looking forward to and some memorable ones. But, I mean, when you look at what were the, the top movies of the year, I think it was like Ghost and Pretty Woman were the biggest oh, movies of the year. And that's why Ghost was such a big deal. Because, A, a lot of the big summer movies were very, very violent R-rated action pictures. Another 48 Hours, Robocop 2, Die Hard 2, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Total Recall, yeah. Yeah, Total Recall, thank you. Um, And that's one reason why Ghost turned out to be such a sleeper sensation. Uh, A, it was different than everything else. B, it was, and I don't want to make this too much about Ghost, that that is its own thing. It was this PG-13 movie that was... Not really appropriate for kids, but kids could watch it without getting traumatized. And it was just sexy and violent enough to make them think they were getting away with something. And it really was, that film was something for everyone. Um, It was funny, it was sexy, it was violent, it was scary, it was exciting. Um, Art fans could dig it. Yes, art fans could dig it. And sculptors Um, alike. Indeed. (laughs) Um, But yes, and this is one of those films that was supposed to be one of the huge hits of summer that wasn't frankly um it was obviously it did better than you know the rocketeer the phantom the shadow um but it was a disappointment a big one and i think a big part of that goes back to the whole to kids today you know just because kids today flock to batman doesn't mean they're going to want to see something that's kind of sort of like batman in the same way that just because they showed up for beauty and the beast doesn't mean they want to see dumbo right i wonder if part of that because you you talked about going Oh, go ahead. I, I wonder if part of that comes down to the ability to do certain things. Like Dick Tracy, I mean, obviously Warren Beatty went the biggest way possible with it, but I mean, it is still yes. a grounded cop drama, essentially, that just happens to be stylized. At the same time, I mean, you mentioned things like Spider-Man X, but like they were trying, right? They, they wanted to make a new yes. Superman. They, James Cameron was trying to do Spider-Man. Like it wasn't for a lack of wanting to do these things, but... I, you know, when you do that... Well, they had the Flash or, television show. They had the Flash, yeah, yeah they had the television show. But when that you have... Part of Island is a terrific Flash movie. When you, but you, when, you, when you have this, or you have the Phantom, which doesn't, you know, just requires a guy in a suit on a horse on an island, or you have the Shadow, which is like, you can get kind of tricky with that, but I mean, it's not the same as making mutant <laughs> abilities possible, or swinging around New yeah. York City and making that mm-hmm. look, you know, exciting. Right. Well, they, a, they went too related to Batman. They got Dick Tracy, the Shadow... Which is used as an inspiration for Batman and Zorro, which is another separate. Why did they decide to do all the 30s ones because of Batman? That's yeah, right. the yeah, stuff so are, they, yeah. So I'm not, I'm not apologizing. Star- I'm not trying to make this. Dick I'm Tracy not, started the trend. I'm not trying to sympathize with the studio as far as like, we had no other options. We only had the shadow. But at the same time, it's like I, I get where that line of thinking can come from to some degree as far as. Well, this style of thing seems to be clicking. Yeah. Plus, it's inexpensive for us to put Billy Zane in a purple suit. Why not right. try it? I out? remember watching. This, <laughs> I remember wa- I, I watched the, the the Phantom not that long ago. I remember there's a scene right at the beginning where Jay, I think it's James Remar and someone else are the thugs. Yeah, and I thought I killed him. James, I did kill him. James Remar stops <laughs> and points at the woods and goes, "What the hell is that?" And mm-hmm. out of the woods ride Billy Zane in pink in purple tights on a horse. I'm like, what do you mean? What the hell is that? Billy Zane on a horse. Seems pretty. Life. Seems pretty clear. <laughs> I don't it think just, I'm it really seemed image. like, boy, that this whole thing is wrong. Is really in the shadow too. This, 
whatever is here that that is that is passionately propelling the, the artistry of this movie is not there in the shadow. It's just it's the no. same, it's trying to get the same effect, but it's it's, just it's grinding like, and the it's at the bottom level. But I do like the shadow. I think there's oh there's some fun there. bits. In there's it, there's too much it, good like actors smug like like mugging it up in front of each other to try to out like shine each other with how cool they are with like Alec Baldwin John Lone is and good. John Lone in that in that yeah. in that yeah. restaurant and like His John are, hey, this is America awesome. buddy yeah. yeah hey you know I'm gonna stop you like there's a lot yeah. of like really great lines I want to kill killer kill you your lover would be on a pan um what's your guys's fa- is is this your favorite of these or is it Rocketeer yes. or is it this yes this I yeah I think it's a cut above this I mean, one if I yeah. have to rank them I would say Dick Tracy Phantom Rocketeer Shadow where's Batman going there well, Batman's its own thing. Do we, not count, do we not count Zorro at the end of the uh, I was thinking Pulp Stop. I don't know. I think, I, I think Batman, is, I think ba- Batman is in the same group, right? They're trying to be like Batman to an extent. I think I think this is a stronger film than Batman. The others aren't, but... Yeah, no, I, th- I, I think this is a better movie than Batman. At the same time, yeah. I, you know, there's like a... You know, there's a grasp yeah, Batman, on Batman, Batman that I think took, the, took us by storm and the world by storm as far as... Yeah what it means to you versus what the quality of the film means to you, if that makes any sense. Um, it's just two different things. It's just a weird movie, that Batman. Yeah. And I, I think Zorro was successful, relatively speaking. It wasn't a super hit. was, you know, because people kind of sort of knew who Antonio Banderas was. People knew who Anthony Hopkins was. Um, and even if Zorro wasn't necessarily a super well-known character, it was a pretty easy concept to sell. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he wears a hat, has a cape, pressed in black with a sword, and he rides right. a horse. And you weren't counting on nostalgia. You could resell it as a brand yeah. new thing. Well, at the and time, it, there it, was a television show on USA yeah, going on, got, too. Yeah, the Family Channel show. That family was my character. And it had, yeah. a, it had a hell of a marketing campaign. Like, I remember there were teaser yeah. trailers, there were trailers. They're all really good and rousing. The and the movie the trailer to Zorro is awesome. It is. And it's got that music. Like, And it's also, like, the movie is a lot of movie. Like, there's, yeah. it's an hour, and it's two, it's, two, it's two hours and 20 minutes. There's, yeah. there's so much packed in it as far as excitement and action and, like, all the things nice. you want in, like, a kind of super escapist film. And it, you know, it speaks to a certain, you know, type of audience as well that you don't see. I mean, you have Antonio Banderas leading a superhero movie. You don't get that kind of thing very often at that point. So it's like all kinds Zorro's of Zorro's a superhero movie now? Of course it is. We're getting a little... Yeah. Well, can I just say, yeah. like, speaking of excitement and action, I don't, you know, this Madonna was probably the key female in my uh, adolescence in terms of stunning me in terms of what is this <laughs> thing called sexuality. <laughs> she may have never looked better than she really looks great in this movie. The cost of her well, she's certainly mm-hmm. it's certainly one of her best well, yeah. I, roles. I, I was gonna say is is this her best performance? Because you know, um, pretty much qu- is. Yeah. I think it's her best movie star performance. Yeah. I think she's excellent in a league of her own, but that's a slightly more subdued turn. Well she's not yeah. it's different and you know de- yeah. uh, really seeking yeah. Susan, she's playing herself, you know. Yeah, I mean, so. she, she should you know, she should have been so much better in movies. I don't know why it didn't work out. She had the right well for it, but it just I it, think she had a couple high profile stinkers like Shanghai success. Yeah, because when I was growing up, the, the conventional wisdom that she was a terrible actress. And not, she couldn't have been to no, Madonna in the first place. No, she's excellent in this. She's very good in the League of Her Own. Well, what she, yeah. what she, what they could have used is we. Here's the thing that we've. We, this came up like a couple years ago. We missed the '90s Star Is Born. We skipped over this decade. That's yeah. true. Like we had the uh, we had the yeah, '30s, yeah. '50s, and '70s, 
and then we skipped the 90s and went to you know bradley yeah. cooper and gaga this i feel like the bodyguard was sort of the 90s stars yeah but, but, but it, yeah, you know i mean by that you can't but like it wasn't though as far as they didn't actually make one and they the didn't way have they the made, title in the, in the way they made order. but they literally made one every 20 years right and 90s which makes me wonder makes me brandon I don't know whoever knows the history of the making of this movie. We're talking about this and Batman, both how Batman sort of inspired this. But if this was being made, like, I know that what's his name? John Peters, the guy who was Barbara yeah. Streisand's yeah. boyfriend yeah, yeah. and the star yeah. that did the star is born. Cause Christopherson yeah, told him Batman, if I need any yeah. shit out of you, if I need any shit out of you, I'll squeeze your head for us. Christopherson famously told him he was a hairstylist. Then he was Barbara Streisand's boyfriend. He, he the produced Spider Star guy Wars Born. Yeah, the Spider Guy. Yeah. <laughs> was, this, was this being developed at the same time as Batman in some yes. sort of competition yes. thing? They, oh, they not were, Batman started in the in the early '80s to, to get developed. The yeah. So I, I'm not first hearing about this one. I saw like Popeye, which dates me again. I was a little yeah. kid when I saw Batman. Would have been worked on around then too. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. Superman was a big hit. I'm not going to say Disney was sitting there being like, we, oh, we'll just make our own thing and not worry about our competition. But yeah, I mean, it was being like this. This is a scene thing. from Batman. This is a, they they really yeah. the crime bosses. Yeah. <laughs> How late think, did they did they all? I mean, I guess and that's another thing because it's, we don't get much of a production history on this movie because no, it's a baby yeah. thing. But how much did they change course? When Batman came out, they couldn't have had that much time. It's such a design. Yeah, and, knowing how movies are made, like and how like elaborate this movie is with sets, costumes, like this movie had a hell had to have a hell of a long pre-production to get yeah. before it went going but, that you couldn't just change. And, and again, look, it's, it's not it's not it's was a late hire. Were they planning on Sondheim doing the whole thing? Or? I wouldn't be surprised if I there mean, was consideration for that. But yes, the Elfman factor, obviously, yeah. yes, that's a, there's yeah. a tie-in there. But I mean, it's not like <laughs> it's not like Disney hired a bunch of schmoes and be like, we gotta get something that's cool like that Batman. Yeah. It's more like it's ba- it's Warren Beatty. <laughs> like, they, of course, he's got Stephen Sondheim in his they, back pocket. Yeah, he's got he he's the, the he's yeah. the one that gets all of these people to be in this movie with him. He's the sure. one that's like Al Pacino, yeah. put on that nose, like do it, <laughs> like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Except Gene Hackman. Who I guess rejected this movie. Well, he had just done Superman four, so point, you know. At one point, they must have been considering doing Dick, the Dick Tracy character with prosthetics as well, right? Because he mm-hmm. so famously has that weird the jaw. Yeah, yeah. That's, well, that's, they said they tried it with the nose. That's and it looked that's, awful. Ba- that's Beatty's ego. That's being like, people are not going to come to this movie to see me without it, my. Face. Is that Beatty's ego, or is that? I'm not saying that is like it's the guy. worst thing he could have ever said, but I do think it comes down to. I'm Warren Beatty. People want to see my face. Like well, I do think that's Well, but he is Warren Beatty. And Will also, this movie work better with that? I don't think so. I think he's smart yeah. enough to know that he's a handsome guy that women like. So it's not a good idea to butts it up with the. You big don't need to defend Warren Beatty. Like he doesn't need the help here. Like I just, I, I, I don't think it's beyond him <laughs> to think that. Like well, I don't you know care what? if he needs the I, money. I just don't. But I don't Aaron, think he's, he's so vain. He probably thinks this commentary track is about him. About him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, I'm just saying. I think. I think he. He knows. He knows what he's doing as far as I have all these other crazy characters. I don't need to put my face in this makeup. We, well, I'll give you the makeup test just to see how it looks, and then we'll go back to just being me, Warren yeah. Beatty, and everyone else around me can look insane. And um, obviously, James Khan said no thank you. Right. <laughs> um, I, 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 love, I love watching this scene and just picking out all the people. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, like, Armstrong. Oh, that's that James Khan. That's Catherine O'Hara. You know? That's, that's, <laughs> Well, you know, what's funny is Scott writes about this a lot, but, you know, Beatty went all in 
in the in the realm of don't save it for the sequel. He put yeah. all like original yeah, scripts. Point, yeah. Original scripts for this like flat top was the bad guy and one other villain like Pruneface showed up in it and they were they were all pretty light on the villainry and then they decided you know what I don't know if I'm gonna make another one and it, I think it was his push yeah. to just do as yeah. many as possible. Very much, yeah. And that's what helps this film stand out, frankly, among other many, many, many other things, is you have a, a modern comic book film with the entire Rose Gallery in one movie. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what Matt Reeves has in store for the Batman, but that, he seems to be hinting at something to that extent. Um, I hope when interviews think, come out with Matt Reeves for Batman, he's for, like, yeah. he's like, yeah, I mean, I saw the Nolan stuff, I saw the Snyder stuff, and then I'm like, what about Beatty's movie? What, what if I did something, <laughs> something like that? Hey, I would love I think there's a Star Wars influence there, too, in terms of let's fill the screen with these interesting looking characters as opposed to today you most certainly would not have them all in the first movie no matter what your plan was like but but how is he going to kill the waynes that's what i want to know i want to <laughs> know how he's going to shoot it how are they, how do i get to see those folks die again that's what i want to real quick because he just blew up well, in I, a car just a second here bit, bit, well yeah. that's what for not wearing makeup real real quick because he just blew up in a car and he's not going to be seen again because he's been slaughtered in more ways than he Jimmy Khan? Father. Yeah, I do like that. He's like, I, I can't imagine being like, <laughs> like sitting there and be like, yeah, I'm not gonna do the makeup thing, but you know, give me a scarf and I'll, I'll grow like a, I'll grow a pencil mustache. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm James Khan, no. uh, funny voice, right? Yeah, give, give me like 14 hats. I'll select one of them, and you know, uh, how about orange? I don't know, like whatever color. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I saw Dustin over there. That's not for me. I'm gonna, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that. That moment there too, right after the explosion, where Dick Tracy jumps on the the uh, the light post and and bashes his face against it. Uh-huh. And I, I read something where they they an interviewer was asking Warren Beatty, did you know, I mean, you know, how did the stunt person get hurt and all that? And he says, well, that was me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and yes, like he hurt his shoulder during this movie, right, or something. I mean, oh, got like that, injury. doing that, that I think, jump yeah. reached out to me even as a kid as being a very clunky, realistic stunt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It wasn't, you know, Batman crashing into the skylight with, you know, all the huzzah. It was a real guy. You know, if somebody really did that action scene in real life, that's how it would look. Um, the video of makeup, you know, for what it's worth, Big Book of Reese in the comics basically looks like Al Capone. Yes. Yeah. So this version was very much more. His name you know, is Al- Alphonse Caprice. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. it's Caprice. I mean, he, he looks, you know, he looks nothing like Al Pacino. Uh huh. Um, oh, he's he's a big fat man in the in the yeah. comic strip. He's, he's and, big yeah. boy Caprice. <laughs> and and in this, I mean, he's he's Al the Pacino. smallest character. You know, all yeah. the other bad guys tower over him, and he's a little guy who's the big boy. You know. And even when you first meet him, when he's you know, puts malice there, it's striking how thin he is compared to everybody else. Um, this feels right out of one of like the 1940s serials like this yes. scene right here. I love oh, it. Oh yeah. Like, it was great. And plays yeah, out just like, death trap. yeah, the, the, it plays out like the cliffhanger. And then when they pick it up from the next one and then some random stuff is added to it, like it feels totally at home with that. I love it. We, you know, we call even the Gino's best lines coming up here in a moment too. We, we were referencing a lot of these characters. William Forsythe, this flat top, is very oh, intimidating, gosh, and he's really good. <laughs> yeah. like, this is oh. one of his best roles, honestly. Like, yeah. it's, don't he's intimidating. It's William Forsythe. He's, he's, yeah, because you can, I, like, it's, you know, you can parse out some of these. You look, you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's him. Yeah, it, that's one, that one's a little tougher. Especially because he's younger, William Forsythe, so, he, you know, mm-hmm. he's more defined yeah. now, I think, he's as far as how he looks. Yeah, exactly. But, like, 
like raising Arizona, William Forsythe. He's like, oh, he's just like a white guy. Like, I mean, like there's nothing really yeah. identifiable about him. <laughs> he looks like he showers not enough, but yeah. 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 Well, I, to a certain extent, I would argue it's possible he got typecast as a baddie because of this movie. Well, because after this, I started seeing one of his bad guys a lot. I mean, that's the I, I mean, this yeah. movie because it's a big budget movie, so that helps obviously. I mean, that, you yeah. know, that's, that's kind of where he's been in general. <laughs> But like I just I was just looking at it, it's like this he like he he's very much in this like he's throughout this movie like it he doesn't he dies like way late in this film and he, yeah, he's, I, he's... I I can see why he was probably you know one of the main villains originally before they like went bigger and all this yeah. does Beatty still have the rights I know like a I guess it's a while ago now but <laughs> but like I like a while like I think he does yeah because he was trying to campaign like in. What like a the sequel. late two thousands? Yeah. Late two thousands? Yeah. He was like, mm-hmm, I yeah. want to, I want to do Beatty, or like maybe I, or was it like Disney tried to take the rights, and he's like, no, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something eventually. He started like getting loud about it again. Maybe it was during. We like, did a, this yep. weird yep. interview segment with Leonard Moulton as a way yeah. to keep the rights yeah. in character as Tracy. Exactly, mm-hmm. that's what Which, I think. So I, I think it was something like, like Disney wanted to like get it back or do something with it or whatever, and Beatty's like, I guess I'll do something and start talking up the idea that I'm going to do more Dick Tracy movies, even though at that time he's what like pushing seventy. He's like, all right, yeah. well, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would I mean, Dick Tracy would have to be like a show now, right? I mean, would oh, you yeah. be able to? I, I, yeah. I'm no, every year I'm surprised there's not an announcement about a Dick Tracy TV series. Like this seems it's like he's got the right. That's why because he it so long ago. I think now Dick Tracy would wind up being that King Arthur Robin Hood where yeah they know his name but they're not going to show up. Like mm-hmm. that's well, to a certain extent that's what happened this time thirty years ago. Oh yeah. Speaking. Um, Put it on Disney Plus or something. You know. There's mm-hmm. something you can do with this easily with all these characters and everything. Oh yeah. You have not... to base it off nostalgia for this movie. Which I mean, I think there's got to be some. Cause it's you so could, but even but... then, like I could see like like if HBO wanted to take it seriously to some degree and like make a pulp like crime drama every week. Like I mean, they got Perry Mason coming out. You could easily yeah, throw, right. you could you could replace all of those Perry characters Mason with Dick Tracy. Not people. have these anvil-headed. No, no, no. But but, but 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 I'm but I'm saying like I watch that. But that show, but that show, see, it's like what it's trying to be a prequel and it's going for a very like early look at private eyes and has a yeah, style but Dick to Tracy it. Was, I, was a really I'm not dark saying they're, I'm not saying they're comparable script. as far as what they are. I'm just saying the idea of doing it on HBO, you, I could see them let's, like easily swapping not. out. Some, I could see them easily take swapping the out villains? the idea. Ugh, t- Dick Tracy would not be Dick Tracy. I'm not, I'm not saying take away the, I'm not saying take away what makes Dick Tracy, Dick Tracy. I'm saying a network like HBO could, if they want to like invest in some kind of like period crime drama, in a network that's already given you Dragon Show and Watchmen, I think they could easily be like, yeah, all right, let's have a stylized Dick Tracy show on our network also. When I was a kid, I heard about Dick Tracy all the time before this movie. I don't think if you're a kid now, you ever hear about Dick Tracy, so I don't know why they yeah. would. It's a shame, because Dick Tracy, I remember being really good. Like My dad had some huge oversized treasury that must have been 300 pages long of reprinted strips, and I remember they're really like, they're really strong. Like I, I get why they were, they were so famous. They're really creatively gripping and kind of dark and, and good. Like what's I can up, see why they were so popular. What's something recent that's on IP and, that came out again? You're like, oh, I can't believe that took off the way it did. Jumanji. There's one. Yeah, <laughs> Jumanji. Generally, that isn't happening. I would argue. They had to really reinvent that with a, basically a whole new concept, right, to make yeah, that. That's part of see why it worked, I would argue. Yeah, I mean, yeah. what you got to do, you can't 
remind people of why it's good. You have to come up with a new way to sell it to another generation of introdu- in an introduction way. Watch and many of them see it, not Dick knowing Tracy, they're like seeing really something well that's been done. Around. Animated Dick Tracy might do it, but you'd never get that. Even just well done, like the 90s Batman cartoon. If you were going to do Dick Tracy like that, you might communicate what was special about it. But if you don't communicate what was special about it, then it's just an empty property nobody cares about. You know? I forgot how menacing Dick Van Dyke's supposed to be in this movie. Well, I mean, you wouldn't sell <laughs> it as a, I don't think you'd sell it as a property as much as its own thing nowadays since it's been so long. And right, but I mean, if you don't communicate the part of Dick Tracy that was cool, then what value does it have? Like, Dick Tracy had, like, this movie captures, I think, the special sort of flavor of the Dick Tracy comic strips that were so popular. Yeah. If you don't, if you don't have that part, then it's not really Dick Tracy. And how are you going to, how can you hope to sell it if it's stripped of the thing that made it special? You know what I mean? I'm mean, not saying strip, but you can evolve it into more modern sensibilities not if that you want, if not that, depending on who you're selling it to. Not that it was a well, anyway, I, mean, I think the point is Warren Beatty owns it, and that's why we're not seeing any Dick Tracy. Yeah. Sure. I mean, something, I mean, speaking to this, I mean, you had you had Sin City, and you had the sequel, which didn't do as well, but aren't they developing a series on Sin City also? Isn't Rodriguez, like, going forward with something like that, like a TV show? Speaking of Frank Miller again. Yeah, speaking of Frank Miller again, as far as the spirit goes, but also, I, that was Will Eisner, but he directed the movie badly. Um, but as far as like something oh, super, super stylish, super stylish, that not everyone knew the property of Sin City, but everyone was like, well, this movie's coming out. It looks completely different than anything else I've seen. I mean, there's a yeah, way I you would can say approach that. that. I, I love Sin City, and I would say, yeah, Sin City is probably the closest to what I would imagine. You're talking about a, a more a sort of Dick Tracy that would work, work Make today. a very deliberate probably, statement on how you want to show this off. You may very well have gotten Robert Rodriguez making that movie. Well, he just worked with Cameron. Put him with Beatty. Let's see how that goes. Let's get, let's get them again. <laughs> let's get, the, let's get those two knuckleheads in a room. Remember Karen? He's he just he directed a Mandalorian season two episode, right? Yeah, no, he's, yeah. He's, he's all about collaborating right now. He's like, yeah, I want to get my hands on some toys. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. He's saving up to remodel his garage where he shoots movies. A lot of noir lighting in this scene right here with all the highlights on just mm-hmm. the eyes. That's some good stuff. Was yeah. the next thing he did Bugsy after this? Yes. After, yeah, Bugsy's. I think so. Ninety-one. Yeah. And he kind of. You're right about him being somewhat maligned in the 80s, and I think Bugsy, yeah. plus the famous ladies' man settling down with Annette Bening, kind yeah. of rehabilitated his image and reminded everybody that he also kind of helped invent modern Hollywood, Bonnie and Clyde you know, 20, oh, yeah. 20 years earlier. Oh, well, yeah. ba- Beatty ends up doing what Dick Tracy does in this movie, doesn't he? He settles I mean, down. He, yeah. he yeah. settles down, you know, you know. And at the time he's making this, you know, Beatty's got a thing going with Madonna, which, I mean, as you watch this, the way that he photographs a, Madonna, you can totally tell the two had a thing going. Yeah, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, no, you know, yeah. last chance to be with the, with the world's sort of sexiest sort of woman, and then, and then he marries an Benning. It it's a very sort of fairy tale. <laughs> was Love Affair well received? No. 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 I didn't uh, think so, but I was just... Well, because it came out like a year after uh, Sleepless in Seattle, which wasn't a remake, but it was right. heavily referenced in that picture. He has, you know, but Beatty has the, the two dueling personas. He has the... Lothario. The, the, well, he has the sort of... A lot of the times, Beatty is playing a slightly bumbling character in his movies, if you've noticed. Yeah. In this, he bumbles oh, yeah. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Ishtar, he plays a straight-up idiot. But that's always, I think, run up against his persona in hollywood as a, as a lady killer 
I think it's probably true that he's, I think he probably is kind of bubbler, which probably makes him really appealing in real life because he's Warren Beatty and he's handsome. But in any case, like, I, I think that Bugsy, he's so obviously great in that. Like, that's a, that's sort of a, that's as good a performance as Jack Nicholson or somebody or, he, might, or De Niro. Because he combines yeah. that, like, natural charm he brings with this kind of hot temper rage that's, like, just so boiling under the so surface. And it's really, and, yeah. It's like, and, don't call, you know, don't call him Bugsy. <laughs> he's going to kill you. approved of... Hollywood certainly approved of uh, of uh, Annette Bening more than Madonna, I think. So that certainly rehabilitated him. There's mm. a famous story of, of Beatty uh, asking Mike Nichols about this up and coming Annette Bening and, and what if, there's, if there was anything wrong with her. And Nichols Nichols told him, "No, she's perfect." Like as a human being. Yeah, that she had what the grifters of years. Butler that broke her out Ooh. as well. So it's like. Opposed to Madonna, who has all kinds of things going with her as far as the image she has as a as a. I, I, I guess what a, a music star around the world and it's funny the how various the gravity, things she's I, doing. I feel like the, the gravity of these, especially for women in Hollywood who are also singers, like the, the gravity of Barbara Streisand's career affected Madonna's career. It affected Lady Gaga's career in sort of the way they're expected to behave. And for some reason, Madonna was just, it was, it, she was just too much of a big star in her realm that there was never really much encouragement for her to, from people to want to see her in movies. Well, it's like it just the type, sort of, it's like, the type sure. of things they're doing too, right? I mean, those type of songs that Streisand is doing and the work that she's, the kinds of movies that she's directing, let alone starring it. I mean, there's a separation which in terms of like the extremes go as far as what kinds of things Madonna is doing at that point too. There is, but there's a certain, I think it's probably even if you look back on it, I'm sure it's such ingrained sexism in terms of, especially Streisand trying to be. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. There's a, there's a, yeah. there's a thought process of what's acceptable versus what isn't as far as who's a big star and why. Right. But looking at this movie, it's hard to imagine that they couldn't figure out a way to make Madonna a bigger star in movies. You know, it I should think, have been a, this should have well, been a stepping stone to something else. She's such a larger than life persona off stage that, you know, to what extent was there really a demand to see her as the kindly waitress? That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, same thing with, you know, Michael Jordan is fine in Space Jam. He's smart yeah. enough not to try to steal scenes from Bugs Bunny. But I don't think there was ever a need to see Michael Jordan as, you know, the sympathetic cop trying to crack a case. What if he, what if he like popped up instead in like uncut gems instead of uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> instead of KG oh. <laughs> instead of John Amos? Oh, that'd be very fitting given what? the gambling plot going on in uncut gems, but still. Uh, God. I, I don't think Charlie Corsmo is this kid, right? Yeah, Charlie Corsmo, <laughs> yes. who, um, who was in a lot of years, he was the best kid actor in the universe. Yeah, yeah. Men Don't Leave, isn't he in Men Don't Leave? That movie. Men Don't Leave. He's a, men doctor. Don't leave. He's a doctor. Uh, yeah, what? the doctor, and tremendous. Yeah, he, he was disappears great. Disappears. What about for like Bob? seven years? Pops up and can't hardly, can't hardly wait for a cameo, and then My disappears again. And by, by uh, disappears, you mean he went to school, earned like a couple PhDs, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. and does yeah. like, like molecular science <laughs> or stuff like that. Like he's yeah. he's a very he bright lives the future. His can't hardly wait tag told us he was going to live. So yeah, that's... yes, he's uh, sort but, of he was the only competition. I think Elijah Wood was sort of the only well, other. No, no, Macaulay Culkin who turned Macaulay this Culkin. Down. He did Macaulay Culkin alone. was he turned. No, he was that good though. No, I. This I, kid's really good. Hold on. Well. Okay, yes. yes. I agree with you. I don't think Macaulay Culkin was that good. I think he got by on a different kind of thing as far as just general yes. charm because he's a little stinker. Like, that's like the energy that he brings to his movies. Well, Corsmo wasn't going to be a big <laughs> No, that's star, not the kind of really he was brings. a really good actor. He's a good actor, yes. And that's why I, I was going to bring it up. want to hang on to those people because you want them. 
I was going to bring that up for this movie. Like, this is, like, the fact that he's in this and he's not, like, annoying kid character that you can't wait to get past is very impressive. Because that could easily ruin a movie Mm -hmm. like this. You could be like, why is there this little kid character here and why is he boring me? If it was Molly Culley Culkin, he'd have to be the second build. Can you imagine? God. He wasn't that popular yet. I mean, like, he was Home Alone came out later the same year. So. Yeah, 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 because he turned this cool. down to do Home Alone instead. Yeah. Because he was, what, a breakout like, uncle? Know. Uncle. Yeah, he turned uncle this down Buck. to do Home Alone. Uncle you know, Buck, to, yeah. He broke out an Uncle Buck, and, and, and My Girl, obviously, he's also yeah. got that going. So well, he, my Girl was after Home Alone. Yeah. My Girl was after Home Alone? My yeah, girl was, was the his, first of his father his, people being yes. like, why is his dad making him take these roles? Maybe but, it's because it just has the glasses. He just looks younger to me in there than he does in yeah. Home Alone. <laughs> no, that was the first big, you loved him in Home Alone. Now watch him die of a bee sting. Right. When's the, when's the good son with Elijah Wood? Uh, is that 93? Late I think early 90. Yes, late 93. Cause it was after up to So it's after both Home Alones then. So he's already like yes. top of the world. Yeah. And when's the black and white music video? Black or white? It's timeless. It's, uh, that that video is unstuck in time. It cured racism. Yep. Everything's better now. That's yep. ninety-one. <laughs> they use the Willow technology for that for that video. Right. That's what I call it. You know, the Willow technology. You know, I just remember this movie has another thing in common with Batman. They both like hired and shit can Sean Young. So yes. yeah, no, yes. I was gonna. I, I have that in my notes. The curse of Sean Young in superhero movies. A poor <laughs> woman. Just, she could not get a break as far as like trying to be involved. She's the Paul Sorvino. She's like, I love pulp comic book movies. Why can't I? Be <laughs> oh, she was gonna be the Glenn Headley role. Right. Yeah, yeah she was gonna be. Yeah, Glenn she Hedley. was. They fired her. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Days to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. They the yeah. room. The rumor on her side of it is that Warren Beatty was putting advances on her and she wasn't having any of it. Warren Beatty just says she sucked. Like, she wasn't good at the role. Like, that's... <laughs> well, and Glenn Headley is great. She doesn't get enough yeah. credit for oh, yeah, this movie. Very good I mean, this. you know, everybody late, talks about all the these big Glenn names. Headley, yeah. yeah. That, that, but, line early, that, that line early on to Charlie Corsmo where she's like, uh, you, you, what is it, like, you like that hand or whatever? Like, when he steals the $20 bill. Oh, right. Yeah. It, it's just immediately... Who you would immediately think of as the love interest for Warren Beatty in a movie, but she works perfectly well here. But you would not think of her as glamorous enough to be Warren Beatty's love interest. She works as the adult in the room. She does. She was the John Malkovich's wife at the time, I think. Well, it's a, con- um, it's a contrast, too, because you have... Yeah. You have Madonna as you know, the, like the desire of every other character in this movie, and then you you have Glenn Headley, um, as far as being like you just said, the adult, someone that's mature, that 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 isn't trying to be the center of attention all the time. So it's you know. Oh, I have, a, I have a question. Was there any rush to get this movie finished? Because I when I watched this in prep a couple weeks ago, um, I felt like some of the interior driving scenes, backgrounds were just a uh, looked unfinished. Me. There's a couple of scenes where they're driving, and it's just I'm looking. I'm like, wait, did they? This looks like raw footage, but maybe oh, it's this just is a great montage. I mean, maybe this, it's just this, like this there's is such one a... of the like three montages in this movie. There are too many montages. Yeah. In this there's movie. There, well, there's just there's a sequence where there's one like there's like there's three of every five minutes. Like, like remember every remember Rocky Four guys? Let's let's do no, that. It's almost a musical like Rocky Four. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 he punches bomb. out the nine guys. That's that, great. That's, oh, that's, yeah. that's bomb. Yeah, that's, that's totally great. I like that Dick Tracy's basically like, I can either punch you out or shoot you with my Tommy gun. Like, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and you're always rooting for it. It's oh. like, yeah, he should. There it there is. is. Yeah. There it is. Uppercut. Doesn't spin. All it's missing is 60s um, Batman blams and booms on the screen. Mm-hmm. The guy's literally <laughs> on a trampoline. That's beautifully done. 
Um, speaking of Sean Young and Batman, I'm sure you all know this, but in case the listeners don't, Annette Benning was originally going to be Catwoman in Batman Returns. Yep, right. Warren Beatty knocked her up. She had to drop out because she was pregnant, and Michelle Pfeiffer came in. So was where's Sean Young? She just showed up she, dressed she like showed up. She yeah. just showed up. She just wanted to be. It she because she, she, she fell off a horse and she got was, injured. Well, she yeah, was Vicky Vale. She was yeah. supposed to be Vicky Vale in the first uh, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor and Sean Young. she felt, for better or worse, that because she wasn't Vicky Vale in the first one, she had you know, first dibs on being Catwoman in the second one. But that's not how Hollywood well, works. <laughs> it wasn't Madonna looked at for Catwoman when they I'm were sure, Catwoman? Only or in the mind of rumor mongers. Oh, I'm rubbing them out. Gotcha. Her and Cher. Oh, Cher. I mean, well, no, here's the question. That, 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 that sounds like a Warner Brothers boardroom meeting, too, though. It's like, we got Catwoman yeah. in the next movie. Who can we do? And they but that sounds like a Tim Burton casting choice, right? Having Cher. Oh, yeah, of course. She might have been an okay Catwoman in a different universe. I'm surprised in all the films that Tim Burton's done, Cher hasn't popped up in one of them. You think she would? Yeah. Yeah, like, where's uh, Sharon Mars attacks? Like, she should be right there. That's a good point, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me see. Here's an actual question I would love to get an answer for. I have a feeling no one's going to know because I'm not sure either. I swear, I I know I used to have this movie on Laserdisc. That was the first iteration I had of this movie, and it was not letterboxed. And on the back of the Laserdisc, in a little box, it said, this is presented in the 133 uh, format to preserve the original... Uh, composition which is meant to reflect the shape of an old comic book panel. Oh, that's cool. They really stuck with it. They're not going to letterbox. It's never been ever since then. It's been letter. Hmm. It's been one eight five like this. I guess I knew nobody was going to know. Interesting. So yeah. yeah, did he shoot an open mat? Like possibly. That's what the, sh- that's what the laser disc was implying was that it was shot open mat to be more the shape of a traditional comic strip from the 30s. Well, in the 80s, they were also shooting a little bit more for TV VHS and intentional open matting for yeah. so they wouldn't have to crop so much there was a yeah like was, i know kubrick shot his movies like that mm-hmm. and for a while kubrick didn't want any kind of letterboxing on now letterboxing is not an issue but mm-hmm. he, he, he was afraid that that would happen nobody would watch the movies because they that's why they're so they're shot basically one three three aren't they most of the kubrick movies yeah they're they're framed to work both ways like that so, yeah and this so works the, really well framed like this i must say he so. was the quibby of his era <laughs> yeah <laughs> And if if Dick Tracy, if, Dick Tracy, if Stanley Kubrick was alive, and like just at a negotiating table to speak, like, so what are you offering me? Well, there's a news service <laughs> where people are gonna watch movies on their phone, yeah. and they can turn it horizontal or vert. He already has questions. He's already raising his hand. But like, <laughs> you can turn it either way, and still be able to watch the movie appropriately. And he's like, I'll I mean, take the rich and famous contract. How how long can I shoot these for, and how long will they last? Because I have an idea <laughs> for a six hour feature. They're ten. They're they're ten minutes. <laughs> they're ten minute installments. I can work with that. That's. that's <laughs> and they're still going to release them one episode at a time. Damn it! So it takes a year to get through them all. Ugh. These mats are like who has? I was just going to say like, these like so I mean, James like, Cameron would blush, right? They're fantastic. These just like are these just sitting in some Disney archives somewhere? Just like all it must be. There'll be an episode there. of Prop Culture where they go into the yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And are those mat were those mats built with little lights in them? Is that how that works? That mat that mat painting? 
It probably ha- it I, there's have... some yeah there has to be some kind of element like that and they're also like they have to be staggered too because of the way they're lit that's what I that's part of what I really like about this movie there's so much like well, look at the, I can't, like the red boxes and all the, the, the I can't I can't immediately tell you how all of this was made and that I always like that in a movie for one thing just right I think we all know a lot of how the tricks are done it wasn't some computers of, some of the stuff in here is just like how is that composed? Like, where does the, like, Which like, even a scene like this, think, even a scene like this, is half of, a, of the, is half of that matte painting, or is it all a bunch of boxes? I can't tell you offhand right yeah, now. Yeah, This was an inter- this was a really interesting transitional era for movies, the five years before and after this, things like Francis Coppola's Dracula, they're just filled with this mix of the best practical effect in-camera stuff and then the sort of some CG stuff. And I was just thinking another movie that's very sort of in, in this cycle of Batman and this, at least visually, is Who Framed Roger Rabbit a little yeah. bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. This looks yeah. a little bit like that in a lot of ways. And that oh, was sure. two years before this. Well, I mean, the, this the, is when we talk about the filmmakers dropping off or whatever in the from the 70s to the 80s, but the 80s were the rise of like the technical guys, like the practical effects were and makeup and stuff was hitting extreme highs in that era right before digital came you had the Jurassic same Park. great talented guys from the 70s but they're being tasked with doing this stuff that you might say was more for kids or whatever but so be it they still did something and it's and it's and if you look at this it holds up as beautifully made you know like mm-hmm. is it a shame that these guys were making something like the godfather i don't even know if it is anymore i mean who knows this is, I'm this is a really at... beautiful I'm looking at some See technical specs. I'm looking at some technical specs of the laser disc, and it does say picture open mat. Uh, Interesting. Does it say what it was shot at? Like on did they did they compose for one three three? I'm I'm trying to find that, but I, so far I am seeing like that. Yeah, open mat picture yeah. the ratio, like you said, the one three one three three picture ratio. And this is still an era where they're you know beyond thirty five, they still have like seventy millimeter prints of some of these too, because of the way they're just throwing it up on certain screens. Look at the yeah, man. There's a lot of Mandy Patinkin in this movie, also. We haven't talked about him as much. 88, uh, 88 Keys. keys. He's, a, he's is, one of those characters. Which might be one of my favorite names in this movie, 88 Keys. That's a fun yeah, he name. Was a, he was a famous... He, he, I don't know if he was in the rogues gallery, but he was a, a, a sort of famous face you'd see in the... And now he's like the mole. The mole was not in this, but like the mole was like a, literally like almost like the mole man from the Fantastic Four. He like lived in the swamp, and Dick Tracy went out to the swamp and had to fight him, but he was like choking guys in the swamp. Never mole. underestimate the mole man. That's what I always say. <laughs> just the mole. <laughs> no, just in general, the species of mole man that exists yeah. in the real world. I mean, I wasn't talking about the movie. I was talking about in life. Um, the other thing that I think he's a lot of people into Dick Tracy Looney Tunes, right? Isn't there like a big Bugs Bunny episode where there's like a lot of yeah. Dick Tracy-like Rhodes Gallery oh, yeah. ones? Like No Face. <laughs> That's one of them. It was, it's, a, it's a Daffy yeah. Duck cartoon. It's a Daffy it's, Duck cartoon. Uh, there we go. Okay. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh, shoot. What is it called? Yeah, it's I've got it in a book down here somewhere. But <laughs> but yeah, they go through... The, they, they have all this great artwork that they go through of all these different Dick Tracy-style uh, villains that with weird features that just get more and more bizarre where you've got literally got one called hammerhead with a hammer for a head and things the like great that. piggy bank robbery that's it yeah yeah it's only one of the best warner brothers shorts ever made i should have remembered that <laughs> snake eyes 88 teeth hammerhead pussycat puss bat bat man it's an anthropomorphic baseball bat <laughs> yeah <laughs> double header pickle puss pumpkin head neon noodle jukebox jaw wolf man a wolf gangster and rubberhead, a pencil eraser headed gangster. Yeah. So what does anybody? The original know the actual, eraser head. What is the actual history like? When did Dick Tracy actually? When was that running at its most popular? 
It's in the 30s, I think. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it started in Chicago. Uh, Chester Gould yeah. is the guy that that you know wrote and drew it. Yeah, and uh, it's actually uh, I was uh, discussing this with Aaron over Facebook a few days ago, but um, Chester Gould uh, resided in the area of my wife's hometown in Woodstock, wow. Illinois, and they really celebrate him there they used to have a dick tracy museum there they did the premiere of this movie there at their little movie theater and cool. uh yeah woodstock is actually it plays the part of punxsutawney in groundhog day that's where they yeah. shot that so the the movie theater where bill murray goes to see heidi two in uh in groundhog day uh is also where the premiere of dick tracy took place so yeah he was, the right people that's... to be on this commentary track what can i tell you <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at that Dick Tracy book. I still have it on the shelf. My dad's old college Dick Tracy book, but there are panels I remember still. Like so, they're really there was something very I, something very beautiful about that series. And, oh, and, and, and they are, yeah. And the timing. So he would have. I wish I knew more about pre-superhero comic strip care. This would have predated those characters like Superman and Batman by at least five or six years. I'm imagining. So it would have like- inspired them i'm wondering well, if that, like um what the the phantom was another really early it's like mm-hmm, yeah the first Sha- in the 30s flash gordon was in the well 30s, and the shadow was a uh radio, radio show yeah drama program shadow was on yeah. the radio well and Z- you had zorro was like, early too zorro was yeah and you had stuff like popeye which is arguably a superhero as well you have superpowers and i'm sure that's that, that, that i'm sure if i were to read back the failure at the box office of Altman's Popeye must have been why this didn't get made for 10 years, right? Didn't help. I, that was such a... <laughs> I like that movie. It was such a, it was such a, I, I have a soft spot for Altman's Popeye. Oh, I me admit. too. Of I mean, course. Oh, yeah. I, I can't not admire what it's doing as far as the look and the the music choices and everything and and well, pretty the ideal, built, pretty ideal yeah. casting. I mean, Shelley Duvall as I always like, yeah. Who else do you yeah, pick? Robin Williams is fantastic in that. That was his first movie. He's terrific in that. Well, and what he does in that, I think, is is similar to this. I mean, I, yeah. part of what succeeds about Dick Tracy is that it really tries to, like we said, capture that feel of the comic and duplicate the look of the characters and all that. And I think Altman's Popeye is doing that, too. But if you're coming at Altman's Popeye from just knowing the Fleischer cartoons, right. it's not that. Altman's Popeye is based on the E.C. Seeger comic strips, and it's Animal very different. The, the yeah. more, there's sort of that overstuffed look, which I think Altman was really right for. It's a weird movie, but I, I do like it. Um, and yeah, it is similar. Again, there's that cycle. That cycle. The cycle really starts with sort of Superman to Popeye, then it goes dormant for however many years because of the failure of Popeye. He fights a sea monster in that movie at the end, doesn't he? A big octopus. octopus. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, I thought it's been a minute since I've seen Popeye. <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's it's. I saw I saw it on the big screen a few years ago. It's some sort of an Altman retrospective. Strange movie. I loved it as a kid. Like I was loved a, the death. Was PTA there? No, but yeah, right. The songs from, from Punch, Punch Drunk Love, the Harry Nilsson too. Which he like apparently he screened it with him and didn't tell him that that was going to happen when it did. Altman was very happy. He was very very delighted to hear that song in that movie. I'm sure he was, because that movie got such crap for so many years. It certainly deserves to be watched. It's an interesting movie, you know. It shouldn't be judged by its box office. It's better than Preda Porter. Flash, Flash <laughs> Gordon. Yes, it is better than uh, everything Gordon is better than Preda Porter. <laughs> <laughs> but it's no Porter is Disney also had a hand in, in Popeye's release. Popeye was a joint effort between Disney and Paramount. Paramount, yeah. yeah. So. 
Do you, I doubt it, but do you think Madonna's ever playing um, the No Face character? You think it's always like a stunt person no. or something? The, yeah. No, I don't. I think. Doug, Doug, Doug. You don't think she wanted to stretch her skills and be like, I want to play a masked character <laughs> that no one can tell it's me? Was she touring at all? I mean, they probably had her for a very limited time, even though she's dating Beatty. She's still a she musician. She toured right after this because right after. you know her next movie after this is her concert film slash documentary, uh, Truth or Dare. <laughs> Is a big, yeah. the biggest critical success she had is in, in, at the movies, I think. Yeah. And he's in that. There's that scene where he where he comes in and. Oh well, yeah. Yeah yeah. That's a, yeah. that's an interesting. I mean, you know, you said there's not much as, as far as behind the scenes stuff on this, but yeah, that that scene in from Truth or Dare is kind of an interesting companion to this movie. Yeah. They, they had a weird relationship. <laughs> I hope something comes out someday of a, a big Blu-ray release or I guess 4K, but geez, 4K would be for the colors. Uh, just like really like give you some some meaty stuff behind the scenes because there's so much just effort in this entire yeah. thing. It's a shame Beatty it's is... Disney and like someone can't sub-license it out to do a their own Tell release. Beatty is notoriously controlling of any home video release of any of his movies. But like very controlled. I mean, we talked we just he... talked about how he wanted to keep the rights like. Maybe he just maybe he really does have just like a vested interest in this and would be happy to like put it out someday. <laughs> like yeah. he would, but you know what? He would if if there was going to be a 4K of, of this, of there, which of course would be one of the first movies I want to see in 4K would be this. But if there was going to be, it would have to go through such an exacting process of him watching it over and over and over again to okay the master that it would just never happen. That's the kind of thing that happens with Warren Beatty. Again, we gotta get the, get that campaign going. Release the baby cut. We'll get his attention. We'll get on. We'll get on Vero. We'll get them all going. We'll get. We'll get everybody rabbled together. Well, could someone do? I mean, would there be interest in like a coffee table book in the vein of the Rinsler? Or I mean, there there's a lot of books books on there making films. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There should be interest in that because this is a this is a beautifully. Especially now, and of course, I'm I would accept guy. that. Or it could be, <laughs> you know? or it could be like a big, uh, like a big a part of a bigger piece that's just on all of these '90s retro superhero films. Like, you know, just yeah. get as much as you can. Like, out of all I think the interesting right. pieces on this, as on these, on these movies that are at the collision between physical and, and practical, fact, physical and CG, and like this is really like this almost feels like they're desperately trying to do anything they can to keep physical effects and physical production uh well it's more like it's things they know right though it's because you have like him and, and, Coppola, this, and, Col- and Col- every 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 set is designed with colors that rhyme with something that Beatty is wearing or you know there was a scene earlier where they were where, where pacino was grilling somebody in the basement and the meter on the back of him behind him on the dark was like red with green dials obviously designed to you know really lovingly designed of course but, it, uh, but i think it, it comes from Beatty being like this is how i know how to make films or these are the kinds of people i'd hire to do this like he's not cool. I, I don't think he's like disney's breathing down his neck being like you got to use these computers warren i think he's more just no, like i'm gonna do not. the thing the way i know how to do it it's just like coppola is like yeah i'm gonna just make everything practical for my dracula movie like what else would i do mm-hmm. like they, uh, they just they, they look even more special than they did at the time because of course things yes. have evolved things have evolved so quickly in effects that Certain movies from this, even movies like Oliver Stone's The Doors, like even that is just filled with pretty striking examples of camera effects. Well, because we're out, like, well, that's one thing nowadays would... people don't know how to use the camera as well. I mean, you're leaving a lot of stuff to just generic second unit stuff. 
But and Brandon, why, you pointed, well, yeah, why would you? Like, Brandon, yes. you pointed this out too. We're at like because we're at the end of the time when we're doing this so often. It's the best version of that thing, right? So yeah. it's gonna look as good as it can because it's like I don't think that's it, quite. It's more like a last hurrah than than at the end of the time. I mean, you know, because I'm I mean, saying, I guess we're saying right. the same. We're using different terms here, but you know what I'm saying. Like it, it, in before computers really started taking over, we're at a point where makeup and vision and practical designs like it's evolved to a point where it's better than it was 10 years before right so it's at a it's at a, it's a great fl- yeah. it's at it's at a, a great time for how far this has come and it just happens to be a time when there's, there's no following part there has well, been because there's still, there's still miniatures a, and stuff a, that exist a point, as you guys a, 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 a possibly pointy too pointy headed a question but do you think it makes a difference to a movie if there are actors on a set that's designed to look like this to them Versus it's designed to look this way, a la Sin City later in the computer. Do you think it makes a difference to the it eye? It makes it for the actor, yeah. Every, for, every yeah. actor's different. Every Exactly, yeah. Scott. Every actor's different. That's my answer. Well, now you have them used to, I mean, the transition to doing a lot of things, CG, you have weird, like the Star Wars sets with George Lucas. They're all like, I didn't know what I was doing some of the time. But now, <laughs> now they're used to it. Now it's a part of what they're learning to do. And now they can actually see what it looks like on set. Like they have monitors with previs graphics and the previs graphics are getting even better where they can see what they're where they're placed while they're on set. But even so they, I, they can, I don't I don't deny that, but at the same time I mean like improvisers do this on stage all the time. They don't need things. They just have the right. other person standing there. Someone like like Sam Jackson's never one that's complained about this. He's like, yeah, I just yep. want to do this movie. I'm going to be I'm, and I'm a good actor, so I'm doing my job. Yeah. Like and others, yes, understandably some don't, don't want to just look at a tennis ball and be like, I got to picture what this is. Some just aren't mm-hmm. that way. That's completely understandable, and it's fair. It's like no, Joaquin, Fe- talk, Joaquin Phoenix. He doesn't do stuff like audience. this. I'm just wondering if uh, like how they're reading me, it? I, no, I'm saying I as an audience member, because of because I'm 47 years old, because I, I, I'm the age I am and I, I live through certain eras of movies, to me this is sort of this is sad to see how beautiful this movie is because I can see how much – because of the fact that they had to design every set and do everything, it's almost like an animated movie where they had to really be sure before they shot it. I'm sure there aren't that many. I mean, well, you said this is the director's cut, but Wait, so so what's your what's your question then? My question is: is does this is this is this only something that I'm seeing from my perspective because I sort of bridge the two eras of movie making, or do you think that there is something that's substantially different about? when it was harder to do this stuff that affected the end outcome is it too easy to do and therefore not as much there's a there's there's a there's a thing you see here when you watch this movie as a, uh, do i you see the guy with hammer and nails building those sets the person right. seems to sewing the costumes and all that stuff the guy having a flash pot having to set up effects the guy who's on a wire risking his life around as opposed to now you go, you just picture a room of, of people on computers typing and you clicking a mouse. So to you, you're seeing all the hard work, but a lot of people, general audiences, they just see what's the end result on screen. And I don't think, I don't know if they put the, the thought Wait, to it, but, but a lot they, of the geeks that came up from this era, that? it was magic. What? It's not, it's not, I'm not even talking about a nostalgic magic thing. I'm talking about the fact that in order to make a movie like this in 1990, you had to be pretty exacting about what you were going to shoot. So every idea you probably had to put it, you know, think about it a lot and design. Well, yeah, between the... between like the wiggle room that you have by having digital cameras that right. can shoot for days, or having something right. like in the Avengers, you can not have them wearing the suits they end up because you can just fix right. whatever you want to do in CG eventually. Yes, there's a 
there's a danger to it a risk yeah there and yeah there's i mean that comes down to like a subjective interpretation of how you're choosing to see so it's not nostalgia necessarily it's just more of like an agreement you can make in your mind that you can accept this movie being the way it is and and realize everything that went into it and that comes down to what kind of audience member you are if you're really paying attention to that factor or you're just there to have a good time I mean, watch Apocalypse now, you're like, holy shit, Coppola blew up a jungle. It's a supplication in both directions, because the Avengers movies, or I think the Star Wars movies, th- those movies are designed based on the accessibility of CGI, and there's some pretty amazing, wonderful things you would never see in a movie before CGI. Like, the Infinity War movies are just loaded with things you could never could have seen in a, before a movie from the last few years, which I think totally is just as it, it can be just as breathtaking as sort of uh, creative um, mustering as, as a movie like this. But I, I just wonder if, if that loss of appreciation, if the loss of the time it takes and the difficulty of it inevitably causes filmmakers to be less, I don't know, creative or, 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 I mean, or, I, I mean you're speaking the word, not different eras different talking, i mean it's yeah. different eras and it's a it's a it's about it's the system you're involved with right i mean there's no yeah. anyone that's in this game and that's gotten to the point where they can make a hundred million dollar if that blockbusters or just that they had to have come from somewhere to begin with like you're not yes there's a privilege aspect as far as how someone gets to that level right away we can talk about that for days but there is there you had to have done something to be like now i'm directing ant-man like you can't like you don't just walk into that. And is it, is it is it is it easier because you have a studio backing that handles some of the action stuff for you, and you have a set set of people that you can rely on to handle the basic things based off the brand you're associated with? Yeah, I'm sure that makes things less taxing compared to Warren Beatty steps onto a set and has to delegate every single idea that's going on but because he, wa- he has a Warren third vision. wants to do that. I'm sure. Exactly, and, that, and, that, and that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm saying too. And I'm it sure does come down to would too. Yeah, and, yeah, but that's what it comes down to, right? It comes down to the kind of filmmaker you are, what kind of position you're in, and there aren't that many people that I get to make those kinds of decisions. I think it comes down to more different departments that then become in charge of different chunks of the movie, and you've got 45 minutes of a movie that were totally rendered not made by the film director in any way, and so it, it, it's... I, I, I think we have no answer to this question. I just, I, 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 think that, that, I mean, it's an era. It's like Rand, it's, it's an era thing. It really comes. It's down an era to thing. But you also can't deny that nowadays movies have lost a certain huge chunk of what we would call their magic. And I know when I was a kid, I was excited about the behind the scenes element of how they did things and how they made this and did that. And if that's gone, is that is that is that part I, of what's hurt? Movie, I can say quote, unquote, I can say magic. that as myself that, but I can't I can't say that. People that are, you know, our age when we're watching this movie don't have that desire to some degree, or don't see that. Well, you have to be able to track changes in culture. You can't just be totally. No, but I mean, but a seven-year-old isn't going to be thinking about that, right? A seven-year-old can still see the magic of a movie because that's that's how they're seeing it. I'm not so interested in what a seven-year-old thinks. No, but that's what you're asking, though. Yeah, you're asking that. No, I'm interested in what a 15 or 16-year-old who's seeing this. Okay, I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong age range, but I do think there's a there's there are younger audiences. When you're seven, you're seven. You're not discerning at all when you're. Don't focus on the number I gave you. I'm just saying a younger person still can find. You're always going to argue on the side of 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 the great leveler, and I don't agree about the great leveler i think that these things do rise and fall and have great eras and lesser eras i think that there's nothing wrong with entertaining that notion it's not democratic but it might be true that's I'm, all just, I'm, done. 
I'm just saying a younger audience still can see movie magic. I don't think that's impossible. But they don't seem to because movies have lost so much of their luster. But why do you think they don't seem to? They have to grow up and make movies of their own for to show you that they did, did see something, don't they? But how fast is that going to fade out if... if, if I don't know, 30... old man. Jeez. Let go, let it what, happen. What, <laughs> what kids are you talking to there when you know? I don't care. Like, who are you interviewing? Let it happen. You Watch let something happen to an art form you love. You, we all love this art form. You don't let it happen. You rail well, I mean, it's, it's, it's... I think that only matters when you're of a certain age where you are old enough to be aware of how movies are made, but not old enough to just appreciate just on principle, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, if I, you know, is a movie like Rampage, for example, heavily CGI in a way that Mighty Joe Young is not? Sure, but my five-year-old thinks it's the bee's knees. And watching it through his eyes, I can understand why. That's one of the reasons I enjoy Aquaman as much as I do. It is that to me that's what was that it goes for broke yeah, it, yeah. it's it's, yeah. Such, it's the know, dick tracy of our time yeah it kind of is in that it's just it's a <laughs> it's the kind of movie that you think of when you think of a kid falling in love with movies you know the the joke you know, not even a joke but you know it's the kind of movie that the kids in hugo would have crapped their pants over um and the adults and would have ran away from the theater <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Horrors! There's a giant shark with missiles coming at me. I like um, this. I like this scene a lot because all the villains have to wear hats, and they're all different shapes and sizes, so it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, was there ever such extreme prosthetics in a, in a movie like this before? Before, um, um, what's it? Because the the makeup people came off of something to do this movie. I just had that in front of me. God damn it! <laughs> what was it? Um, Nothing so but extreme. It's almost. It's almost ghoulish looking, some of these characters. If you didn't know it this is. was based on a comic strip, you'd be like, God, why is his head a triangle? I and it's see. ugly. Yeah. That's what Gould well, is trying Chester Gould's artwork is you, yeah. it's beautiful in how ugly it is, really, to well, be honest I, with you. But it was intentional. Awesome. Yeah. It was very much a look how ugly crime yeah. is situation. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. For sure. The, the thing that's the freakiest to me about this makeup uh, is that they recreated it for like a live show at Disney and like people huh. were walking around on the streets of Disney MGM Studios looking like flat top and thought if I was a little kid, I would have been terrified. <laughs> I'm into this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oscar winning makeup job, too, we should say. Oh, yeah, of course. This won four Oscars, this, by the way. Yes. Seven nominations, too. A second second biggest number of nominations that year. Right? Not, but they don't nominate the comic book movies. Sorry, three Oscars. It won three Oscars. But still, yes, it won Oscars for one thing, and it got nominated best for a bunch. Best song? What did it win? It won Best song. Art Direction, obviously, yeah. Best Makeup, obviously, and yes, Best Music, Best Original Song by Stephen Sondheim, the sooner or later, since it's in every montage that we get this movie. So it, won, it, won more, it won more Oscars than Avengers Endgame? <laughs> one oh, more Oscars what? than every Marvel movie combined? <laughs> no, no, that's not true, because Mar- Black Panther took, like, four. But it, it wasn't just, like, you know, the technical, I mean, you know, like, yeah, it was uh, like a, made, a Pacino. Pacino. It got cinemato- cinematography. It got uh-huh. cinematography yeah. nominations. Well, and, uh, yeah. costume design. <laughs> what did it lose to costume design with? Who was better than that? Godfather 3? Like, what was? What else was out? Let's see. Let's see. Costume design. I'm looking it up. Here we go. Let's see. Was it Ghost? 
<laughs> oh no, uh, it, it was uh, Siriano de de uh, de de Bajar. Yeah. De Bajar, yeah. Uh, yeah. That one. Yeah, you had you had Cyrano, Avalon, Dances with Wolves, Hamlet, and Dick Tracy. Here comes a, a Batman moment. It's like the Bell yeah. Tower. Yeah. The mad parody of this was, you know, crash the window. Look out, it's Batman. No, wait, look at the box office grosses. It's only Tracy. Uh, I, I do like how like there's the big action moments really reflect the scale of this movie. It's like it really is just like a city, and Dick Tracy just like smashes yeah. through a window every I mean, now and then. Like, as <laughs> an action picture, you know this this isn't that. This yeah. ain't Total Recall. No. Uh, it's not trying to be obviously, but it's it's, it's more of a musical you know, than an action picture. It's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's, it's like it's the Cotton Club, but better. <laughs> do yeah. we ever do we ever touch upon uh, Dick or Dick Van Dyke being in this? I'm dead now, but... yeah. Okay. All right. I was like, yeah. I, I mentioned Dick Van Dyke. Yeah, he's he's menacing, and he, you know, he's he's in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of... that cop is still stuck in that room. Yeah, yep. he's still there. He's still there. That's yeah. the that's the plot oh, of the yeah. sequel. Yep. Rescue that if you wait till the end of the credits, he's he's there going, "I'll yes. get you, Tracy." It'll be in jo- <laughs> it'll be like John Wick Two, where it's like we got to pick up the loose thread that we left out. We have to rescue that cop from that room. <laughs> That's going to be the 30 years on sequel that Beatty wants to do. Yeah, it's unthinkable. They saved not a single character for the post-credits tease. Not a single one. We didn't even they have did, post-credits teases, right? That it was a different era, of course. But it's unthinkable yeah. today that you would blow, blow it all on one. There's still more. Are there more villains? I'm sure there are, right? Oh, there's of course there are. Yeah, but they didn't, yeah. They didn't yeah. do that. They hit yeah. the big guns here, though. They had they had them all. I mean, the brow was a pretty big one. He gets killed in the first sequence there. Yes. Or did he? Exactly. Silver there. Wow. Hey, we, if we can cut Darth Maul in half and throw him down a bottomless pit, I mean, you can bring back the brow. Yeah. Dance with Wolves won cinematography. Uh, uh, John Seal was that? Uh, no, uh, Dean Semler. Dean Semler. What was yeah? Strange year. Was faceless in the comic, or was that like creation for this? No, the, the blank. blank. Yes, the blank. Yeah, oh, the, the blank. Comic. Yeah. Okay, blank. But it wasn't blank. Breathless. It, was breathless. it wasn't breathless. It was breathless. Yeah. No, it was. Yeah. So you so tell me, like, they're gonna make a Dick Tracy one shot and show us the real the blank because it couldn't be breathless, <laughs> Mahoney? Because <laughs> I think they'll team up with the real Mandarin. Yeah. Are uh, Tommy Gunn thinking some... about a real a real world uh, flat top movie like the Walking Phoenix Joker one? <laughs> Flat top, just flat top. Oh, let's make those posters right away. Flat top. I have a disorder. Let's get get a trailer. He's just dancing on the stairs with his big fucking head. See him dancing with his his Tommy gun. You know. (laughs) Flat top. Alternate universe that's happening right now. Oh boy. Um, are Tommy guns like the most cinematic gun you can have? Yes. There's just something like, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, decades of gangster pictures and what have you really highlighted though, but. There's something about yeah. like the, the design, the weird like the oh, they're so camo cool build, looking. The, the, the fact black. you're not going to run into one on the street. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah. Well, they were yeah, so it's, it's there's a sense of absurdism to it as well, right? Because yes. it's just like so yeah. like it's it's it, it is comical. Like it's it's a comic booky type weapon, a Tommy gun. Even the name is comical. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like how you know swords are very cinematic as well in terms yeah. of a weapon because you're yeah. not going to run into one randomly on the street. Although last weekend did have an instance, but. That whole, that whole shootout, by the way, is is great. I love it. It's uh, I mean, if, if you watch old like Warner Brothers gangster picks, you know uh-huh. that that sequence yeah, is just a loving there doing the same thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> getting Cagney and Flat Top. I'm sure that was on Beatty's mind. It looks a little bit like him. 
Oh, oh he yeah. does. That's alternate history right there. Cagney is flat top. Flat top. Yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> I learned Todd Phillips flat top, flat top. Todd Phillips flat top. I gotta know. Freaking style. Is there a? I feel like I already know this. Is there? Was there a Dick Tracy like adaptation before this? Was there like a serial or something? Oh no, there was a there was yeah. a, a yeah. Ser- there was two there serials. Is, right? there, yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah, were yeah, movies. Okay. Um, the the movie uh, Karloff was in a movie. Um, you ball, uh, right? Dick Tracy meets gruesome. Oh, gruesome. And, and then, um, but yeah, um, and there was another show in the. There's yeah, there's an animated there, series a, like in yeah. the 60s, I think, which I knew there was an animated really, series. I remember that. That's yeah. some really offensive content by today's standards. Yeah. yeah. But the he earlier was the live actual yeah. ones didn't do the makeups, right? The earlier live actual ones just oh, they were normal cops. crooks. Uh, yeah, they were, cop they were, shows, I don't yeah. even know. I don't even know if they used a lot of the rogues gallery. <laughs> for I can't remember because I know with like the Batman serials, um, there was something and Superman as well. There was like something against using the rogues galleries, and they used alternate villains for a lot of that stuff. Well, the Joker wasn't racist enough. Yeah, <laughs> they had to use Doctor Daka. Doctor, and then the next time the Wizard. Everyone's favorite Batman. That's interesting. That was actually like the the, the Hulk TV series from the seventies. Also, never used any of the Hulk villains. I always Mm. thought it was very strange. It was like they're trying to make it more grounded by not having the other monster characters in it. Uh, We really wanted to get you into the the pathos of Bruce Banner in that show. So he's like, we don't have time for. Yeah, you're right, David Banner. Exactly. Thor showed up once on the series. Abomination so, doesn't live just just down the street. You got to go mm-hmm. find him. There's no abomination. <laughs> it was just throwing <laughs> bikers through windows. I was so disappointed as a kid. It's just the Hulk was just throwing people through windows. And never, well, that's never. That's just one way in which the '60s Batman show stood out is that you actually got to see the villains from the comic book. Mm-hmm. Yep. Including one of the oh. best Jokers. Yes. Yeah. And Egghead, uh, of course. And you know. Leonard, you know, incredibly faithful to that time, as the entire show was. I oh, mean, yeah. That was the Batman comic book, more or less. But better, I mean, you know, uh, of that era. That was like Batman in the 50s, the comic had gotten really silly. And that's yeah, yeah. Really- uh- yeah. Well, uh, not, not 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 according back. to the not according to the real fans though. Batman started in the eighties and only has that tone. <laughs> oh my god, Batman, that might and the all the all the yeah. There was there well, was no other Batman. But jokes aside, I mean the, the 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 show came out about a couple of years after the quote unquote new look era from Julia Schwartz, which sort of toned down a lot of the sci-fi fantasy elements and basically offered more street level crime stories. It wasn't dark and gritty, and that wasn't until 1969-1970, but they weren't you know wearing purple costumes and traveling through time. Oh, when Neil Adams came in, right? That was when yes, it started. That was, yeah. That's where things got better. Yeah. I'm not going to say we're at the finale of Dick Tracy kind of now. And I'm not going to say like this definitely crib from Batman because it's a movie where there's a damsel in distress and that's pretty damn common in any action movie. Um, And it's clearly not a bell tower, but it's, but I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff here. That's like pretty similar as far as how it's constructed. But I wonder what, what that means. The novelization and the Mad Magazine parody both have Big Boy Caprice dying by being trapped in the gears of the clock. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which is why I was kind of... I mean, I, I had sort of gone after the novelization first. Release the baby cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's Disney. That's um, Disney. And, uh, 
I, I, do, I do like, you know, yes, it's got the old damsel in distress trope. I like the fact that he just jabbers at her nonstop. And he hits, doesn't he hit her? He's pretty violent in this. Smacking uh, a lot of women. But, I mean, know. this is a case, though, where you, you kind of have to do the damsel in distress, though. Yeah. I mean, because I'm not, I'm not really. It's Tracy. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. if we're going to be true to the source, you know, that's that's the role Tess Trueheart was playing in those yeah. type of stories. And, so, and, yeah. and we, we've seen a lot of things happen in this movie, movie, but right now, this time it's personal. So that's <laughs> exactly. how we end it. Um, I do like that you mentioned the rambling bit of the like, that is yeah. fun just because it's. For oh, it's. Thing. Yeah. And that's my that's one of my favorite kind of villains. The one that's like pushed to the end of his rope, has tried to do things quote unquote the right way, and is now like fuck it. Okay, I'm just gonna start spilling everything. All my emotions are right up here up front, so I'm gonna tell you everything that's going on in my mind right now. That's it's almost and like in the, in the it's almost like because he goes through that whole I've got a thought, I've got a thought. No, I left. You know. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like when Cusack talks to Debbie in Gross Point Blank. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's very interesting. Who I think it was Scott that mentioned earlier about the, uh, the um, what was it about the villains? Uh, that you know, the, there's something about literally having these ghoulish villains like Batman did in the '60s. That was sort of the implication was it had to be camp if you were going to include these elements of the comic strip. And so the TV versions of of of, of Spider-Man and, and a lot of these things were so straight, also cheaper, of course. They didn't have a lot of the signature other sort of characters, and so a lot of the so the challenge of a lot of filmmakers over the last thirty years: how do you, if in fact the characters in this are ugly because crime makes you ugly, then that's pretty much why the Joker's ugly too. So how do you then get around to making a real world story about characters like that? It's interesting, to me at least. Well, I, I think in terms of not having these characters, again, you know, obviously the TV show in the 60s, but even the first four Batman films of the 80s and 90s, at least to me, what stood out was the incredible notion of seeing big movie stars playing these incredibly popular, iconic comic book villains that yeah. kind of sort of look like they're comic book part. I mean, sure. some more than others, you know, Riddler more so than Penguin, but nonetheless, it was a thrill seeing Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, who looked like Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Right, because we all had Lex Luthor in Superman with hair. <laughs> well, he got yeah. bald eventually. There were there were a few bald scenes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's that's one of the great. I think he's great. I think Cackman is fantastic in that movie. But that's a sore spot, I think, with comic fans is when you when you change something like that. So that yeah, I guess that makes sense. Your eyesight will return. Oh, is it is it a is it a sore spot for comic book fans when they when the characters don't look like how they're supposed to how they supposedly supposed to look? I, Apparently, I couldn't, well, I, I, couldn't could... I couldn't tell based off any rhetoric ever involving. Well, imagine, 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 trying do, imagine trying to do Dick Tracy where you had to explain every villain's deformity in his backstory. <laughs> but like, like, the way they do the Joker in the Dark Knight. Flat Top was just a baby when an iron fell on his head yeah, three times. Blank, blank was uh, also an iron accident, probably. Yeah. Little Face just was ran over too many times as a child. It becomes heartbreaking. They're all just these tragic figures whose deformities led them to crime. Where the other Mumbles way was left out in the sun and just talked and talked until he couldn't anymore. Yes. Prune Face, he, the bath was too long. His parents left him in the bath too long. <laughs> Luke right, Sorbino so I got just it. had too many quarters of shots. <laughs> I got it. Uh, the Todd Phillips flat top movie. What about Casey Affleck? We can have some controversy about, oh, oh this it. guy oh. again. Yeah. <laughs> He'd crush it. It would have to be like an, un, an uneven flat top. It would be very disgusting to look at. 
Yeah. He'd, be sla- he'd, be flat, he'd be a flat top, but he'd be slanted. How can you do flat top not as a 30s gangster? How could he be a... I don't think he could survive. The Joker has survived. Flat top iterations have always just been a chattering sort of... But I'm, uh, look at that. He'd be, he'd be like a loan shark. Like a low-level loan shark. <laughs> I, I think Tracy's idea, right, is like, can I reveal all the faces of these people and everyone's just <laughs> <laughs> Does everyone wear a mask in this city? Take everyone else's mask, yeah. <laughs> Mumbles, get in here. <laughs> yeah, it's just me. <laughs> Prune face is really Cindy Lauper underneath. Yeah, let's get all, all the 80s pop stars in there. Flat top was Tiffany? What? <laughs> Debbie wait, Gibson. Wait, 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 it's Debbie Gibson. Wasn't Warren Beatty the original casting for Misery? Yes. Yep. Yes. There's a whole lot of crap going on when I was researching this in 1990 that's, like, all this, like, (laughs) incestuous, like, rumored for roles in the same movies that came out that year. Yeah. Because Khan is great, but I would have liked to see Beatty play that part. Shame. I do like seeing Khan, like, out of his comfort zone and something like that, though. Like, that's what I really admire. I think Beatty could squirm even better. I think Beatty really could squirm through that. Well, Beatty was like, Jimmy, you can have the role if you show up for one day on Dick Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, Warren. But movie. again, again, I saw Dustin in the other room. That's not for me. That's just <laughs> <laughs> no Play-Doh for me. Now is that true? James Conn never did do a big makeup role. Did he? I was about right? to ask, like, yeah, he's never. This really... is it. This is the closest to it. He's always just made... the, the thing recently he did is where he's unrecognizable. It's like an old guy. What is that? The, the mean landlord or something? It's called. Hey, with chest hair like that, you don't need. Shoulder. She's got shoulder. Shoulder. Like hell yeah. Angle. Just never cast as a werewolf either. Never. They wouldn't. He wouldn't have to do makeup for that's that. That's because the no, time. That's my. That's my hidden read. That's my. That's my hidden read. That's my hidden read on Thief. He's actually a Wolfman in that. Movie. Okay. Wolfman is an idea whose time has come, according to Ryan Gosling. So there was just no was no Wolfman for for James Conn to play. But yes, in that undershirt in the first Godfather. Whoever forgets that. It's oh, straight, God, yeah. It's a straight line act- across his shoulders. Like you could, that wasn't actually you could, a shirt. He took his shirt off, and that's what was yeah. left. <laughs> yes, that was, that was it. Those shoulders are, are incredible. Why is Jimmy like wearing a sweater in this scene? Um... <laughs> yeah, the, romantic, the, the big love theme in this is very pretty, I always thought. The, well, the, the music, Danny I is, I mean, we talk yeah. about Danny Elfman. Like, yes, it's obviously, great. it's coming after Batman, but I still think the score is really nice. Oh, yeah, yeah it's great Elfman It's very Gershwin. He's, yeah, he's in very, his prime. I mean, this, it is very Gershwin. Very nice. In, this is prime Elfman, right? He's like right in the middle yeah. of like doing just knocking out themes between yeah between Pee Wee and the Batman, previous year. Edward Scissorhands is later this year. Yeah. They couldn't they couldn't land uh, Prince though. Couldn't <laughs> land him. Well, they can't have Prince. Madonna. He's at the club in the next city over. Mm. The Madonna the Tracy album taps. not bad that was recorded yeah. for this. I think the Prince album is better, but. For Batman. Now at the end of this movie, 88 Keys is the only villain left in town. Yeah, Man- Mandy Patinkin's going to have a huge rise in the sequel. <laughs> He's going to come, remember me? He comes in with his beard and his glasses. You kill like all pl- the other crime bosses in town. <laughs> prepare to die. <laughs> and a plot, a plot concerning like Middle East politics and Claire Danes is also in the movie. Yeah. It's like crazy. Look at the red. Look at the red in the scene. It's yeah. just gorgeous, well, man. Everything was with Tess is red, and like the apartment gets red. He, the, the kid, the kid starts wearing red. Yeah. Tracy's got a red tie, but he's got the yellow. Like, you know, you, we mentioned the black and white at the very beginning of this. The only thing black and white in this movie is Tracy. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. He's the only thing that wears black and white in this movie. <laughs> he's what he's got his black black sport uh, jacket and his white shirt. And Breathless wears black a lot. Of- <laughs> she wears she wears like just black or like the the white kind of yeah. costume thing. Storaro is a big proponent, I recall, of colors having emotional power in movies. I remember him talking about yeah. that in that documentary Visions of Light, where he's talking about Apocalypse Now. But he's the ideal guy to shoot this movie. Yeah, and Beatty knows. He's smart enough. He's like, yeah, I can know what he get for this. That's a lot of like why I, you know, this is a better movie than Batman. You have, you have, you know, decades of talent and industry knowledge and what have you behind all of this, right? Like, that's not to put down Batman. Yeah, you Burton. didn't have John Peters, so I think it's just kind of the Butterfingers. You didn't have John Peters. You didn't have Burton like needing Jack Nicholson to win the battles for him. Yeah, you had a, right. you had guys that had won all their battles leading into this movie that could just do what the things that they know work for film as opposed to figuring it out on the spot, which is why ba- Batman Batman's a little more raw, yeah. yeah. And I guarantee Batman you Warren Beatty, um, when he was a little kid, was reading Dick Tracy with a little oh, for love, sure. and I don't think Burton was doing that. No, that's Burton's been very difference. clear that he hasn't. He, he's yeah. a huge fan of, what, the killing joke, and that's it. Like That's, yeah, that's his yeah. Batman love. <laughs> Even that, Batman feels like John Peters think... or somebody got a little bit in the way of it. I remember the feeling you couldn't like this more than Batman at the time. But like, I, rem- I also remember seeing The Abyss the same summer as Batman and going, oh, man, that was actually a really good movie. Like, I've been lying to myself. And I like Batman now, but it, it didn't deliver what I wanted as a, as a kid anyway. That's me with Spider-Man, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I can believe that. I, I love Spider-Man, too. Spider-Man, I was like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I like Spider-Man more. So good that, yeah. I like. I, I know. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm. I'm negging at Scott a little bit, but I mean, I. I. I like Spider-Man, but I like Spider-Man two more now. I like Spider-Man not more than two, but I. I appreciate it more yeah. just given all of the superhero movies that have come since. Where you're like, you put on Spider-Man, it's like this is a fucking director making this movie. Yeah, so yeah. Be, there's and that's style here. It's just there's, the there's, there's, there's rough, meat really. on the bones. Like everything mm-hmm. connects to some reason. The casting and, just uh, feels and yeah, good. Defoe is great too in that. I think. It's oh, yeah. The, yeah. Ca- casting He's wise, right everybody is good. Yeah. Good they on. nailed that and, casting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cole Robertson is great, and and and. and I think it's what you guys were talking about about you know one of the reasons this film is perhaps a better made picture than Batman is to the extent that it was still being made after Batman came out, you had the confidence of saying, yes, people will kind of sort of accept this. Yeah. Um, In the same way, you know, quite the opposite, you know, Patty Jenkins found, you know, she basically, when I interviewed her a few years ago, she told me, you know, paraphrasing, you know, after Batman v Superman was divisively received, it got a lot easier to do what she wanted to do with Wonder Woman. Which was make it it like Superman, the original Superman. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Um, and to what you guys were talking about, and this is in a post that might go tomorrow, I don't know, but the idea that, you know, the first Batman was kind of half studio, half Burton, or half Peters, half Burton. Yeah. That film was successful. So then Batman Returns was all Burton, for better or worse. Let's you know, let's say, let's be let's be clear. The first Batman is yes, it's it's forty percent Burton, forty yeah. percent Peters, twenty percent Jack Palance yelling at people. Like that that's what that is. And then, you know, it's something like, you know, even the first Transformers, it's half Bay, half Spielberg. The second right. film, with respect to the writer's strike, is more full Bay. Yeah. Um, so. And that, you know, one of, the reasons that, one of the things I'm most curious about with Wonder Woman 84 is, for all intents and purposes, it looks to be full Jenkins, whatever that means. And that's, now, that's the, that's the separate. Monster, I think, is a great picture. 
That's the yeah. separation. That's the separation there, though. Like Bay and yeah. Burton have very distinct styles. Where Jenkins has made two movies, and like that's exactly. not to put her down, but it's like I, I. That's a good reason to for film fans to want to see what '84 will look like because yes. what does a full Jenkins movie yeah. look like out of, out of the you know the free of the reins of the Snyder aspect of it and everything. Yes. Well, I mean, in all honesty, with like let's let's take a Lee Wanell. We kind of didn't know, but now when you put uh, Invisible Man and Upgrade next to each other, you can see the similarities and now know what to expect from his films, which you yes. might be able to once you see Wonder Woman '84, be like, aha, okay, this is more obvious to me now than it may have been before. For sure. Like, I'm not gonna say I, I intensely remember Insidious three, but I can't say that there's anything in Upgrade. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I mean, I'm seriously. I mean, I can't say. Right. That there's yeah. Anything no. In, that's why I, I, I excluded that one intentionally. Yeah. No, but I'm saying. But what I'm saying is like I can't say that there's anything in Upgrade that's like, oh yeah, these are the elements that I found in Insidious three, right? I mean, there, it does. But now, yes, that he's had like more experience, and he's always, you know, he's been working with Juan and everything. He's certainly been involved in the process of movie making. But like having made Upgrade and having made Invisible Man, he's certainly carving out a certain kind of niche as far as what he likes to do with like the motion camera lockdown stuff and things like that like just the way he shoots action like it's very distinct it, it would feel mm-hmm. where I, I can't say in his first film he really established a sort of a sort of sense of style that way agreed <laughs> harder than ever to do also i think uh, what else about this Dick Tracy movie guys as the credits keep rolling here we've, we've <laughs> talked about a lot of stuff i'm very happy about it I hope the Dick Tracy fans that have been needing some good content for Dick Tracy are going to get a kick out of this commentary track. Um, well, we talked about, we talked, yeah, won some Oscars. It was a moderate, modest hit, but, you know, kind of underwhelming as far as the, there's a new superhero movie in town and it's, or a comic movie in town and it's not quite knocking it out of the park in the same way that the phenomenon that Burton's Batman was. Um, anything else? We didn't talk about, I mean, there's, just little trivia bits here and there. Gilbert Gottfried was apparently considered for Mumbles also, which that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's if you can't get Hoffman, that's where you go. Yeah. He, he was he was in the trailer on Rain Man anytime he needed him. He'd be like, yeah, get me in there. <laughs> well, I, I, I still think, and, you know, not to repeat myself, but, you know, watching this several times, to- you know, a number of times over the last 30 years, despite being a PG-rated Disney movie, it still really feels like one of the more adult comic book movies of its kind in For terms sure. of you know, the age of the characters, what their conflicts are, the relatively raw, grounded character arcs that they have. I mean, you know, something as simple as, you know, Breathless Mahoney falls in love with Dick Tracy because he's the first guy that doesn't treat her like, treat her like a piece of meat. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You could say the same thing about Peter Parker and Mary Jane. That's another conversation. Um, I think that's something Even then that... that- even then that stems from not necessarily melodrama, but it's certainly, yeah. you know, it's, it's high school love in, the, yes. in that movie where, and it's rooted in ideas that you've seen in like sitcoms and very, yes. in like TV drama where oh. you look at something like Dick Trace and there's this larger than life atmosphere going around. And yet you still have, like you mentioned, grounded characters dealing with the reality of their situation based off their age, which yeah, yeah that feels are, unique. Like, the, the, you know, at least big, you know, I don't, to a certain extent, the, they are more tragic characters. Yeah, yeah. Would see in something like the Phantom or even Batman to a certain extent. I mean, you know, uh, or at least the you know the Burton's Batman, Batman Returns. That's another conversation. Um, 
Returns does yeah. challenge it as far as having adult care. I mean, you, yes, you have a... Returns you have, is nicely adult, I think, yeah. It is, because yeah, yeah. because every character it has some form of psychosis in that movie. They've had like, broken, they've that's... had previous romances. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it yeah, Batman well. Returns is its own, yeah. I, I, I it's be, it's, it's yeah, better yeah, than yeah. Batman. I mean, it's it's one, yeah, one, one of Burton's right. best movies. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah, rules. yeah it, it, it's, that was an example where going, quote-unquote, full Burton, I love it, and a lot of people liked it at the time but it wasn't quite mass mark you know, you know what happened that yeah, we, talk, we, have, we have that. a whole commentary where we talked about that Scott, <laughs> you're on it <laughs> like, <laughs> someone did why you don't let them direct the big franchise movies why you tend to stay away from having the real style people doing those and it's a shame because inevitably those are the ones we remember as being the, the best but returns is great uh, sam Raimi spider-mans are great even yeah. for all its flaws, I, I remember a lot of uh, Ang Lee's Hulk movie more than I do a lot of other superhero movies, because at least it has that oh, yeah. sort of weird one of days. Yeah. That, that's a commentary we'll eventually do, and we can carve out eight hours in our day to talk about all of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels long. It feels long. That's all. <laughs> that's, that's, my, that's one of my main I, I do think it's interesting that, you know, a year after Batman, you had two, you know, and, and you're right, none of these were ripping off Batman, per se, but Ninja Turtles and Dick Tracy that I still think are two of the best comic book movies ever made. Yeah. He just nailed it, bam, bam, right out of the gate, and then took him another, what, 10 years to sort of get back up to that level, more or less. Um, longer, depending on your again, your thoughts on it. Because I guess there's like a go this is gonna be too long of a we're already the movie's way over but like, to, make, <laughs> to make up for we start five seconds in we got to make up for that five seconds for yeah. sure i mean I, I think part of it comes down to we're trying to make the movie we're trying to yes. make the dick tracy the teenage mutant ninja turtles we're not yeah. saying this right. is the start of something huge in the way that so a lot yep. of superhero movies are these days and yes. so because of that you have the idea you have the the mindset of if we're gonna do it let's do it and that's what Warren Beatty did. And that's what Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did. And that's what other, like, and various also, superheroes You're right. And also, time. comic books, when you're going to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or Dick Tracy, the idea of comic books and the idea of movies have equal weight. You want to see the marriage of the two. Whereas I think more and more we trend, we tend to trying to make the movie feel like a comic book, in, in, including the limitations of a comic book, which which are yeah. what they are. You well, know? Like, Spider-Man ends. Uh, the X-Men leaves little threads it doesn't like oh this it it leaves threads because they're like well it's a big x-men yeah. story and we were used to watching <laughs> it as a cartoon but it's not like hard like if x-men didn't take off it's right. not an ending you're like that i mean they catch magneto like yeah. <laughs> the end they got it Although, yeah. when that movie came out 20 years ago you know to me it really did stand out as a wow this feels more like a tv pilot than a standalone feature film Yep. Yeah. But you're right, by today's standards, yes, it's pretty close-ended. Close, Closed-ended. Okay, so let's wrap it up there. I'll just say <laughs> that we have a Batman commentary, a Batman Returns commentary, a Batman Forever commentary, an X-Men commentary, Spider-Man commentary, Spider-Man 2 commentary, and others involving many of these things we're currently talking about. That we probably uh, some Dick Tracy 1.25 commentary. Um, so, with all of that said, as we wrap up here, where can people find all of your guys' work online? Let's start with you, Todd Liebenau. Where can people find more of you? Uh, forgottenfilmcast.wordpress.com. That's where you'll find my reviews, links to my podcast, The Forgotten Filmcast, and follow me on Twitter at Forgotten Films, films with a Z. Let's jump to Yancey. I have a five month old. That's my only excuse. Um, you can find me on Facebook or Twitter at Yancey Jack. Uh, Facebook at Yancey Jack Burns. I'm doing, we're trying to do one little review a day. 
But as Aaron said, I hopefully be getting actually writing for a legitimate <laughs> site eventually. But uh, once the chaos uh, calms down, Scott Mendelson. Uh, same old, same old Forbes.com. Please Google the ticket booth, Scott Mendelson Forbes. And because if there's anything people need to know right now, it's speculative <laughs> news about movies that may never open. <laughs> Brandon Peters. Uh, I'm at Weisselblue.com and Cult Cinema Cavalcade's podcast, CultCinemaCavalcade.com. It's currently, currently no, uh, nothing going on right now, but you know, people are people listening to podcasts right now. Don't know. Movie ones, who knows? But, uh, we did a huge Godzilla series, which actually we went on our normal schedule with that. That would have taken us up to early September. So <laughs> you can just spread those out if you want. Um, and uh, yeah, I got some, I got something cool coming down the line I'm working on, but yeah, check out my reviews and follow me at BT Peters on Twitter. You can find more of me at thecodezeek.com. Everything I do ends up over there, but I am writing movie reviews at We Live Entertainment and Blu-ray reviews over at Blue.com. I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. I want to thank you all in no particular order, Scott, Brandon, Yancey, and Todd for joining me for this Dick Tracy commentary. I think we talked a lot about things. Yeah, this, this it's done. I think it was like the first movie when we were talking about it last time. It's like, yep, we're doing it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, you can find our podcast on iTunes and everywhere else you can find podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You know where all these places are. Um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next month for July with something. We'll figure that out, but I'm sure there's lots of options. Um, yeah, I will also add, because it's never not good advice, regardless of when you listen to this, stay safe out there. And uh, until next time, so long and goodbye.